But this week, it's all Freedom Rock. Yesterday, actually, it started, I think, on Monday when Joni sent me the Freedom Rock, like the uh, the YouTube link. Joni played that for me like a hundred times at work. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's... She was appalled that I'd never heard it. Yeah. Oh, is that why you recognized it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, see, now I'm less impressed. I thought you actually remembered it. Because, I mean, no. you were alive. You were alive and probably watching television at that point. Even if you didn't really know what it was at the time, even if you didn't really recognize the songs. Well, I didn't really live in America until I was like five or six. Would it, would it have been like a, before 85 or 86? What kind of name is Dylan anyway? Where are you from? <laughs> All right. Oh, that's, you were living in Spain. I forgot about that. Yeah. But you lived in Spain from the time you were a, a thing, a fetus, until when? I was born in California. I lived there for until oh, I was like I a year old and then uh, moved to Spain. California and a foreigner. All right. Is that because your dad was in the service? It sure was. All right. Well, there you go. But you got good teeth out of the deal. You have military I, I, fluoride I on those teeth. I have military teeth. Totally. It's true. Like three different kinds of fluoride spray painted on your Never teeth. Never had a cavity. Wow. All right, man. Hey, man. It's, uh... All right. We're going to stop and get a hold of ourselves. No, that was from 1987. Freedom Rock. If I I may be wrong about this, but Freedom Rock, Dave Zinn is just a, a font, a fountain. It's one of those days where I, can, I can't tell words apart. It's like that Uh-oh. thing about the thing about bringing your point into stark relief. Is that how that phrase goes? I'm bringing my point into stark relief. It's either stark relief or sharp relief. I don't even really know what stark relief means. Stark relief uh, sounds like some sort of a hooker that you'd pick up in Southeast Portland. You know what I mean? For like four dollars and some food stamps. Well, whatever. Anyway, blah da blah. Uh, Dave Zindo is just a man. He's a torrent of wisdom about Freedom Rock. I do believe that came out in 1987, which means that it's probably just as you were getting here, you weren't really weren't real cognizant of American culture at that point. I do believe that the two DJs in that, uh, the guys in that commercial are radio DJs from uh, from Denver, from Colorado somewhere. They were classic rock DJs, of course, which means they didn't have to change their costumes at all. They just went down to whatever the Denver version of KGON is and just found some guys sitting in the uh, in the break room. You come out, come out this way. Anyway, so there you go. There's uh, Freedom Rock Man. Uh, hey, four records. Yes, please send me four big ass vinyl records in the mail that'll be broken and warped by the time they get here. 
That's a thing that doesn't happen. We could just, I'm not going to get up and do a whole deal about it now because then it will just grow like some sort of linguistic vine and take over the entire beginning of the program. But I will say that one of the things that today's generation, what with their constant downloading of the MP3 and so forth, they're never going to know that whole thing about leaving your vinyl out on the car and then you come back and it's just shaped like a bunch of salad bowls. I have a Motley Crue record that still won't play because my idiot friend Rob, same guy who named his penis, he, I mean, why would you lend something to a guy who names his penis? Of all the people in your circle when of friends. When you were talking about him the other day, you wouldn't say his name. Yeah, but his name was Rob, and he named his penis. What was his penis's name again? Joey. I'm telling you, I'm not going to say who it was, but my friend said, um, I'm not going to say who. Is a female friend of yours? A female friend of, her, of mine. Did she name her region? No, no, but oh. she had a boyfriend who named his penis. What What was his name? Is it a name you can say in the air? Swear to God. No, she, he named it Spike. <laughs> that doesn't even sound pleasant. It does not. That sounds like a thing you wouldn't want anywhere near you. That's what Would I'm saying. Would you like to say hello to Spike? I don't no, think she I wanted it near her either. No? No, thank you. I'll pass on that tonight. You can take Spike uh, elsewhere. I'm going to stay at home with a good book. Hey, it's six minutes, uh, man. It's six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by and making a part of your listening day. We are live, my friends, from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. Thank you for coming by and making a part of your listening day. It is Thursday, relatable Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, glad you're out there. His phone number is 503 733-2970, Your comments, clarifications, uh, conventions, your corrections, your two cents, or what have you. 503-733-2970. You want to be uh, part of our program today in whatever shape, manner, uh, matter, fashion, or form. 503-733-2970. Uh, if you'd like to uh, email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. You've got that look... I'm sorry, I've been looking for, like, my hits of the 90s compilation, and I keep coming... You're doing that thing where you've got your finger over the board, and your fingers are curled in such a way that I can tell you're just waiting to play some piece of audio. No, I just found this. I totally remember this from when I was younger. Well, you're going to play the hits of the 90s. Tim just leaves the room. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Posture balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. Walking around, I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls into Mr. Bucket wins, but look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls will pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. What is this? Is this an actual game? It's a toy. Yes, I remember this commercial for Mr. Bucket. Watch out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. From Milton Bradley. So what you do is, as a small child, you run around collecting balls, and you stick them in Mr. Bucket, and then he shoots the balls, balls out, of his, come out, of his mouth. out of his mouth. I always wanted a Mr. Bucket. You could name him Spike. <laughs> All right. Hi there. It's 503-733-2970. You know, that yesterday we had this program held together. You know, yesterday this program was just oh, who are a you kidding? streamlined comedy machine. Today the wheels are wobbly and we're only nine minutes in. What memory do you have? Uh, it's like a goldfish memory. It just rewrites itself every 30 seconds. Uh, if you'd like to uh, email, it's rick at rickemerson.com. If you want to engage with us uh, in a binary fashion today, uh, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. Scotty J is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able with bated breath, the most bated breath you've ever heard, to uh, pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever. It's 503-733-2970. No, I, just, I have to finish the story now. Before we talk about what's coming up today, before we do anything else, before we get any phone calls, 
So, yeah, my friend Rob had this whole thing that he wanted to borrow my Motley Crue records because he was, because he was, you know, he was like a dirtbag and he was always broke and he was cheap and he was just squandered his money on high karate and pot. And so he was like, dude, can I borrow your Motley Crue records? And I'm just going to run them onto tape or whatever you said at that point in time. I'm going to dub them uh, and then, you know, I'll just return them. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And so he borrows my Shout of the Devil and it wasn't, and it was the badass version of Shout, uh, Shout of the Devil by Motley Crue. It wasn't like the, the mass market version that had the red cover uh, or, or the cover of the four band members. This was the version that had the jet black cover with the pentagram on the front that you could only see if you held it up to the light and tilted it. And then on the back, it had the big warning underneath all the song titles that said, contains backward messages. Uh, it was g genius. So he borrows it, tapes all the Motley Crue records on a cassette, comes by my house one hot summer afternoon to return them to me, and here's a little pop quiz for you. You come by somebody's house, it's July in Kennewick, Washington, which means it's about 114 degrees outside and there is no cloud cover to protect you from the scorching rays of Father's Son. What do you do? Do you come back another time with those records? Do you maybe leave the records in a shady place? Maybe you put them inside a bag, stash them maybe under the eave of the house so they don't get the sun's rays? Or do you take the records and do you just leave them on the hood of my car? Oh, by the way, when you leave them on the hood of my car, make sure that you tilt them against the windshield so that as the sun hits the records and they become soft, they just sort of curve and bow in the middle like some sort of a black vinyl taco shell. Thanks a lot. Thanks for that, Rob. I appreciate that. All finding new and interesting names for his genitalia. All right. Well, in any event, it's five. Old, I'm not bitter about it. I am bitter. I'm incredibly bitter, and I've still got the and I've still got the record of my house because the album cover was sufficiently badass that I didn't want to get rid of it. But the record itself is completely unplayable. You dick. All right. It's five zero three seven three three. 2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, Coming up uh, today, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Goddard will join us. And here's the thing. There's actually so much going on. It, 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 just the stuff Lisa's talking about today. It, 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 you know, I, I don't even think we're talking to anybody else from CNN. I, I, you know, you know, what, what else are we really going to say about the dead wrestling guy You know, in, in Atlanta? I mean, really, what, what else is there to talk about? Um, and they haven't they haven't found Steve Fawcett, who is just yeah, is apparently he's just fallen into the uh, fallen into the ether somewhere while he was looking for the place to set his land speed record. So we've got uh, Lisa Goddard coming up today about Larry Craig, who I swear to God it's changing by the minute because when I went to bed last night. He was all dug in, and he was just going to be fighting his resignation with everything. I get, when I went to sleep, and I, I went to sleep pretty late last night. It was one of those nights where I just couldn't get to sleep. Every time I looked up at the clock, you know, it was 11.50, 12.30, 1.05, and I, I think I finally fell asleep around 2.30 or something for, for no readily apparent reason. But when I went to bed, he was firmly resolved that he was not going to resign. And he was just going to fight the good fight every morning, as Triumph would say. And just, he wasn't going to leave until they dragged him out. Now, and then this morning, his aide was saying that his resignation was all but certain. And, and now, to, as of like about ten minutes ago, he and his attorneys are trying to reopen the case in Minneapolis and fight the charges. So it's going to be a good day for us regardless. Uh, what else? Oh, Fred Thompson finally officially announced that he's a candidate. For, and then he didn't show up to the debate, which is great. That guy's figured something out, man. He's doing a kind of a rope-a-dope thing there. You know, you can't hit a target who's not, who's not even present. So we'll talk about Fred Thompson. Uh, and then apparently, you'll never guess, things in Iraq going badly. So we'll talk to uh, Lisa Goddard about that. Uh, today we'll be doing the top five. This is a random wheel of time top five today. Top five songs from February 4th, 1989, for no damn reason at all. Top five songs from February 4th. 
I know there's a reason. You're not transparent. There's a song on that list that you really want to play. No, really, honestly, to be to be completely and truly upfront about this, there really is. I have this book, like all uh, like all former radio DJs. I have this book by Joel Whitburn, and it's Joel Whitburn's book of top ten Billboard lists, and it is the top ten for it's either the top ten or the top forty. Remember the top forty for every single week since 1955. And I think it's up till 2005. I haven't bought a new one in a couple of years. Um, but for every single week since 1955, he lists the top 40 songs on the charts. And Scotty was here this morning, and we couldn't think of anything to do. We've already done. We did a top five about school. We did a top five about kids. Uh, we did a top five about the vacation, I think. And I literally just flipped the book open, and I put my finger down, coming to America style, and I landed on February 4th, 1989. The songs are all fantastic, by the way, but that really is, as Hannibal Lecter would say, that is incidental. Uh, it really was just, that's the random date that I picked. It's great. And by great, I mean terrible. God damn, the 80s were bad. I know I say that every time there's an 80s-themed countdown, but boy, I'm just glad that that area is gone. Gone. Gone from this place. Uh, let's see. Terrifying spider news today. Um, a bad place to die. Uh, glorious Bastard of the Week. We'll get to the uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week. Bunch of random observations. Uh, we may do a uh, whatever happened to if we have uh, if we have time here because I've got more email about that just in the last two or three days and so forth. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Why, hello, how are you? Hello, I don't want to hear the spider news. I had to kill three spiders in my house last night. They really? were huge, and plus the boy I'm seeing got a spider bite on his face. Is that... Uh, yeah, it's a spider bite. Because I knew that he, that he had like an irritation or something there. Yeah, it turns out that it was a spider bite. Oh, and it turned into on his face while he sleeps, which means oh. it was near you. Which means I saw three spiders when I got home last night. There was one on my back door, one in my living room, and then one in my bedroom. Oh, now are they all the same kind they're of all, spider? They're all the they same different? kind of spider. They're about the size of a quarter, including like the ends of their legs, but they're thicker. They're thicker. It's, That's exactly like, what you want a spider oh, to be. Oh, it's so gross. There's like these big, like they're not too big, but they're thick enough to make you panic. When you say a spider is thick, what are you talking like about? Like its legs, like it, it has a lot. Body it has, or yes. the abdomen? I mean, the abdomen and the legs, it has substance to it. Well, that, you know, the, 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 the horrible thing about the spider having, we should just do bad spider stories all day. The Because the I got a spider story that is just, I'm not going to say it's the worst one ever, but boy, damn is it unnerving. Um... The thing about a spider having really strong legs like that is you know that you're going to hit him with a book and it's just going to, he's just going to sprain. You know what I mean? And he'll be, he's got like six other legs that are going to be fully functional. Going to be like a Cylon dragging himself forward by the metal fingertips. Just my coming sister, right after you. My sister was talking about a five-inch cockroach that she had to kill in her apartment yesterday. Oh. Well, where she lives where? Oh, in Brooklyn? Yeah, in Brooklyn. Well, that's, you know, they grow them big in Brooklyn. Well, and they trapped it under a box for days, and it was still, you know, its antennas were still moving it, and they couldn't tell. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. And finally, yeah, they crushed it with a book. Oh, that's funny. But it took a bunch a of tries book. because it was still still moving. No, and I know that it's a cliche to talk about big cockroaches like New York or Florida or whatever, but, I mean, there's... A, I mean, cockroaches are amazingly resilient, and the idea that you would have to use a book to crush something that is one five hundredth your body size—I mean, it's just all kinds of unnerving. You know, my friend, um, when I hello, that wasn't me. That was in fact me. Okay. I, I uh, for a minute there, I really thought that there was something going me on too. in I my brain. That, I thought that that was that having somebody a, had taken over our radio had a station. A breakdown of some kind. Um. 
when I was growing up, there's a friend of mine who lived across the street, uh, and he had lived in Venezuela for a while. Uh, and he kept in his garage just to impress other kids with a Venezuelan cockroach, which was, I mean, the size of a small rat. I mean, it was insane. It was, you know, when you go to a pet store and there's a, there's those like teddy bear hamsters that they sell. It was about two thirds that size. Not oh. a, not that big, but about two thirds that big. I mean, it was huge. It was massive. So uh, now, if I can, just not to dwell on your boyfriend's face, but if so, the because he had this spider bite on his face. Now, was it? Uh, do they think it was some sort of like one of those extra lethal spiders? They don't think so. They think it just. Or just a reaction to the bite? The, um, I don't know if it's a reaction to the bite or not, but they did say they did think it started as a, as a spider bite, and then it caused his face to swell. Ugh. Hey, your face is swell. It's all so gross. I'm sorry. It's right there. I couldn't... Well, we'll, tell, uh, we'll talk spider stories here in just a second. Yeah, and after I had the best day ever yesterday, too. Oh, man, we don't even... Well, we'll talk about that after the... Uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification. So now Larry Craig supporters are calling for a boycott of the Minneapolis airport. I'll get right on that. Wait, done. And he has reiterated his plan to resign. Now he says he will. Now, Fred Thompson is an official candidate, but will anyone care or know who he is? Bill Clinton is, like, everywhere. It was a chopped up body in a barrel found in that McMinnville farm. And an Osama impersonator is arrested at the Australian An Osama impersonator. With the president is staying. Is he on his way to a bat mitzvah? Well, probably not. But is that their big money in Osama impersonating these days? Yes. Is that what you like? If you, like if you were making your living as like, a, uh, you know, as like an Elvis impersonator, but it's not working out, Presley Estates upping the royalties on it. I know, an Osama impersonator. Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic. Um, all right, well, we'll get these calls here in, in just a second. Um, we'll talk. I'll, I'll do this and this uh, spider thing here. Uh, I've got this spider story that we'll just start the entire day with. See, the creepy thing about that is, is then you wonder if the same spider was crawling on you while you were asleep. Oh. That's the deal. The only reason I no, asked. Because I hadn't seen him for, for days and days because I was in, like, Bremerton and then our schedules were kind of opposite. You just want to make sure. So I think it was, I think it was actually at his house. You want to make sure it's not one of those hobo spiders. They do that. That's when they start using those wonderful phrases like necrotic tissue. Just means that whole sections of your face are just falling away like the side of a mountain. All right. Well, in any event. And then um, I should know before everybody starts asking. No, I, I, no, it's been like 40 years since I've ridden my bike. I mean, just let's just, I'm just going to address that. I'm just going to tackle that uh, head on. It is just, it's every day it seems like I'm having to do something to get ready to go out of town. I have now taken, by the way, since I discovered the glory of laundry by the pound, I have now taken in 12... Uh, uh, large, like those, like those huge trash bags, like those glad bags or whatever. There, I have not said this morning. I took my twelfth huge trash bag of laundry in to the to the laundry floor. I don't even know how much it's going to cost because it's only. How like, can you possibly have that much laundry? Because I do. I mean, because it's just because that seems like kind of a weird zen, a zen koan of a question. Because I, I do. It just, I just it, don't it's see you there. having that many clothes. Is it like Lara's clothes, too? No, it's mostly mine. I mean, you just don't see me uh, because I wear... I have a small section of clothes that I kind of launder over and over again because I have this larger, massive, untapped landfill of laundry that I don't ever touch. I have all the stuff that you don't really see that often. Dinnerwear? What? Your yes, dinner yes, my formal His wear. dancing clothes? Yes. For, for the cotillion that I'm going to be attending. The... Uh, 
Uh, so, no, I just have. The, I think I'm like uh, I'm like most guys, uh, where I just have a huge backlog of laundry that I just never touched, and it just stayed there forever. And then I have a small pile of laundry that I kind of just go through over and over and over again. But I've decided while well, my wife's out of town, she can't come home and see the house in exactly the same condition, you know, because if, if because if she's left me alone for two and a half weeks and I do nothing productive with it, it makes me look like even more of a loser than I am. So I'm taking all of the laundry in. I mean, I'm not actually doing the work. All I'm doing is bagging it and dropping it off. Uh, and then the guy does it, and I'm going to pick it up. So starting tomorrow, the laundry, it'll, it's going to come back in waves because I'm taking in like four bags a day. And that's only on the first floor. I haven't even gotten to the basement. I mean, there's an equivalent. There's going to be another 12 bags by the time I get done. So there's that. So I am driving every day. Although, at least I know where to park and not park in the parking lot, Sarah Dillon. Would you like to share with everybody your exciting uh, your exciting adventure yesterday afternoon? <clears throat> I could do it if you like. No. Okay, so we have the worst parking lot in the world back behind um back behind the studio where everyone triple and like quadruple parks in. I guess that there's the spot that you I guess. I did You're not just know. Theorizing. Well, it was built back in the days of the Tin Lizzie. Nobody really drove to work. Okay, well, so it's this parking lot, and it's all unmarked. It's like, you know, just all just random spots. You park where you can. There's this one spot, and I get to work, and I'm like, oh, there's a parking spot. This is very exciting. So I park my car there, and I'll continue. And then what happens? I mean, let me just say this. Tim, let me just ask you this question. Because I don't, I don't drive as much as other people, Rick. I, I, I very seldom drive. Tim, I don't, I, don't think you'll, I don't think you know the answer to this, to the, to this. I don't think you know the outcome of this story, so I'll just quiz you a little bit. If you came into uh, some sort of a business or corporate parking lot, and there was a really great prime parking space... It isn't even prime. It's a crappy parking spot. Uh, I, you, can't, you get parked in there. I got parked in by like three cars. I'm just saying, if you came in... And there was a parking space that in the middle of the day when everybody else is triple and double parking and the rest of the parking lot is very full, yet there's this one space that none of the regular common employees seem to be parking in. What might you assume that that space is? Handicap. And had I not seen the sign there, I would say, I am in luck. I'm going to take this one. Not handicap. Tim Riley. Not handicap. Well, then you that shouldn't is... have been parking there anyway if you thought it was handicap. I didn't think it was handicap, but he said if there, was, if there wasn't a handicap sign, he would have parked handicap. there. Would you assume that it was just safe to park in? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, all I look for is a handicap sign. If I don't so yeah, if there's no handicap space, if there's no, if there's no cripple going to use it, then you're right in. Yeah. So the upshot of it is, and to be fair, it's not labeled. It's just one of those bits of um, community, like, hundredth monkey information that is passed from employee to employee. So Sarah parks in this space, and... Then she comes into here to the, to the hermetically to the hermetically uh, sealed studio where we do the show. And the space, of course, belongs to Mark Whalen, who is our general manager. And a guy who's about nine feet tall. And Ex-NFL football player. Yeah, li- literally, it could, could break us both professionally and physically. <laughs> could kill all of us. It'd snap us like a match. <laughs> totally. Snap us and grind our heels, grind our careers under the, the, under the heel of his boot. Yeah, so that's, um, that's his so that's where Sarah. So that's where Sarah part. And to be fair, it's really not labeled. I guess I just sort of figured you knew. No, I don't really drive that much. Yeah, so, it's, so to be fair, you really had no way of knowing. You just learn by doing, Sarah. And so what Sarah did yesterday was to park in the general manager's parking lot. And it's in, and the great thing is, is that he actually, you know, wasn't all that annoyed by it. He's like, you know, whatever. He just came. In fact, somebody said, do you want me to... He came back. His space was taken with, you know, your car. 
And he came to me and said, hey, who's, you know, who's blank blank is that out there? Who's, you know, whatever, your Ford? He said, whose Ford is that out there? And somebody said, oh, that's Sarah Dillon's. And he said, well, it's in my space. And then there's just this long, as I understand it, this long echoey silence space? throughout, the, throughout the building. And somebody says, now, to be fair, though, to be, in, his, in his defense, somebody said, well, I'll go get Sarah and make her move it. And he actually said, no, 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 don't worry about it. She's on the air. Don't bother her. That is actually what he said. No, he um, seems like a cool guy. That's oh, what kind of makes me feel but stupid. He's, but, he's, but it's like a lot of... Does he understand that I didn't get the psychic memo that I didn't know to park there? <laughs> You know Jim what would is? have done the same thing. But it's like a lot of guys who are in a powerful position where he was actually much less concerned about it than the people around him. Dude. Where the people around him are like, that's it. We're going to have Sarah killed. They were. I can. Let <laughs> Did me you read get the you. memo from Dave Zinn? Let me read you the email I got from Dave Zinn You're... at 2.45, throwing me off my game for the last 15 minutes of the show. Thanks, Dave. Hey, Sarah. I know the parking lot is slash was a mess today, but I want to request that you not park in the spot that your car is in next to the dishes. The spot is reserved for Mr. Whalen, and he doesn't like other cars parked Mr. in it. Mr. Whalen. You wouldn't he's like him when he's angry. the gatekeeper. Yeah, there you go. I think it was an honest mistake. No, it was an honest mistake. But you know what? Sometimes even honest mistakes will just stay there in your brain picking at it you. It was awful. And every like time I'm, I'm trying to get out as fast as I can, and more and more people are wanting the parking lot, and they're like, oh, that's your yeah, car. you're the one who annoyed Mr. Whalen. Mm-hmm. Mr. Whalen. <laughs> that's the great thing about Dave's in. I know. That's what that's yeah. stuck the knife in and twisted it. He totally it. knows how to stick it in. Would you not park where Mr. Whalen needs to park? I felt <gasps> so stupid. And I tried to find him to apologize, and of course he's not here, and then no. I was like an ass. No, of course not. No. Good times. Hey, let's talk about, oh, are these spider calls? Well, let me read the spider story. Uh, then we'll uh, take a break, and uh, we'll come back. We have Lisa Goddard coming up later on. Uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Top five songs from February 4th, 1989. Glorious Bastard of the Week, uh, and so forth. I'm just going to read this. This is from Washington, uh, the uh, Washington Post. Actually, from WashingtonPost.com. Have you been itching all summer from mosquito bites? Oh, God. Sarah, have you? Well, if you live near... Now, this is not local, so you can breathe a sigh of relief. But not local yet. It'll be coming north. Not unlike those African bees. If you live near Willis Point, Texas, you wouldn't be scratching as much. A spider web... And I'm amazed you haven't heard this story. A spider web... I am not making this up. This is from the Washington Post. A spider web... About the size of two football fields. What? Covering trees, shrubs, and the ground at a state park was recently discovered. The web has so far caught millions of mosquitoes. At first, the web was so white it looked like fairyland, said Donna Gard, superintendent of the park. Now, this web which I am not making up, and which is the size of two football fields. This picture of it. Now the web is filled with so many mosquitoes, it's begun to turn brown. And wait, here we go. Most horrifying sentence in the story. There are times you can literally hear the screech of millions of mosquitoes caught in the web. Entomologists are debating what kind of spider has built the web and why it's so huge. I think we all know the answer to that. Scientists think that the spiders may have begun to work together 
to build this web, which is the size of two football fields. There you go. That's Millions the worst of mosquitoes. Phrase, by the, way. There you go. The, the spiders have begun to work together. That's exactly what it says. Social cobweb spiders. Times you can literally hear the screech of millions of mosquitoes caught in the web. There you go. I haven't heard any crickets in Kanaima for quite some time. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Why, hello. For the love of sweet jumping Jesus, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, that's the one that gets your... Hello, hi. Rick. Hi. Mike. Your bondsman. Yes, hello, sir. Take your record, get two pieces of 12-inch square glass, put the record between the glass... Is my brain on slow, or are you just speaking in a really wow. slow, deliberate fashion today? I didn't... I don't know. All right. I'm just trying to help what you is, out with what, is, what, is, what is your advice about flattening out my warped records? Uh, take two pieces of glass, 12 inches by 12 inches. Uh-huh. Put the record between the two pieces of glass. Turn your oven on to a low temperature. Put it all in the rack. Exactly. Put a heavy Slow. weight on top and let it sit for about 10 minutes. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Just trying to save your record, baby. All right. I appreciate it. There you go. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, back after this, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard, Tim Riley at noon. Your phone calls, the top five, all of that on the way. It's the Rick Everson radio program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Recapping the best sentence of the day so far. Entomologists believe the spiders are working together. Having spun the web that is the size of two football fields. There are times you can literally hear the screech of millions of mosquitoes caught in the web. Fantastic. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Later on, Tim Riley in the noon news hour. Uh, top five songs from February 4th, 1989. For no reason. Right now, though, ladies and gentlemen, please clear your minds. Focus. And let us all welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard. Why, hello, Lisa. How are you on this Hi. fine Thursday? Well, hello on this fine Thursday to you. Are you afraid of spiders in any way? I used to be. Definitely as a kid. I'm not I'm not now. I'm I'm the goofy, squishy one that like I'll put them in my hand and take them outside. I'll say no, you uh, you you don't uh, you don't you no longer kill them. You've embraced the spiders. I've embraced, as part of, uh, I have embraced I mean there there are some bugs that I do kill and I kinda I, I shouldn't feel guilty. I know they're bugs, but I do a little bit. But spiders, no, I, I I like the spiders. I feel like they're on our side. I remember when I was in school and they would always give me this lecture about Saint Francis of Assisi. <laughs> Who uh, supposedly it was it, it, such a fan of all of the good Lord's creation that he would not step on ants. That is one of those things that they teach you in grade school, and you realize that there's just no possible way they could know that, and it's just some crap that they're <laughs> making up. But it does make an impression on you early on. And I remember as a child, it, when I was about I don't know five or six, as George Carlin says, before I uh, reached the age of reason, uh, when I was still a Catholic, having all this weird disproportionate guilt about killing insects because I felt that I was somehow violating uh, the spirit of what St. Francis of Assisi would wish for me to do. Anyway. So. Well, you know, I actually have a friend who is is um, of Indian descent. She's born and raised in America, but her, her family is Indian. And she is a religion that is called Jain, J-A-I-N. 
very like minority religion in India, which of course means like a hundred million people. But uh, they're pacifists, and uh, Orthodox Jains do actually sweep the ground in front of them as they walk, so that they don't step on any insects. Really? They're very, very pacifist. I wonder, is that, is that like a job? Like, do you get, do you pay a guy to walk in front of you and sweep? That seems like some sort of weird uh, entomological curling, where there's a guy sweeping the ground as you walk down the street. Perhaps the puh, the P-U-H for Michael Jackson could, uh, you know, hire himself out for that. The okay. personal umbrella holder. Okay. Did you, you just make that? up? Did you make up that acronym just now? No, no, it's a thing. That's what they, for a while in Hollywood, people were actually apparently bantying that around. Not that I know anything about Hollywood, but that's what I was hearing. All right, I don't really worship Jane. J I worship Jane Pratt. That's the only Jane that I, uh, that I worship. All right, uh, it's a fantastic day. It really is, and it's so much so that we just we I went ahead and blocked out the rest of this uh, half hour. I, I mean, you you tell hey. us. You, I'm just saying, you tell us when you got to leave. But there's there's all kinds of things to talk about. Yeah, so, all the time in the world today. I'm going to stretch out my legs. That's great. So here's the thing about Larry Craig. Yeah. Uh, about every uh, about every nine minutes, there's some different version of the story coming out. As I was saying earlier, I went to bed kind of late last night. But when I went to bed, he was still going to be uh, fighting for his uh, for his Senate seat, and then he wasn't. You know, he was. He, he, I don't know. He was going to chain himself to something somewhere and sing "We Shall Overcome," and, and he was going to demand that they overturn his his guilty plea and whatever. And then I woke up this morning, and his aide was saying that his aide was saying he was going to resign. But then, then CNN sent me the prep sheet saying right. that he and his attorneys are trying to reopen the case and fight the charges, and it's all very confusing. So, please, yes. please to explain. Yes, it's very confusing. Essentially, Larry Craig is the friend of yours that is no help when you're trying to figure out what bar you want to go to. Yes. He's the guy that's like, well, yeah, that sounds great, guys. Well, how about that one? You know, just seriously. Agreeing with everything at this point, keeping. But I think what's going on is Larry Craig can't let go of his Senate office, and he's holding open the smallest hope that exists. And that hope is that he overturns this guilty plea sometime in the next month. We're waiting for word from Minnesota that he has actually filed papers uh, objecting to that plea, trying asking the courts to overturn it and beginning that legal process. But we haven't gotten that word yet. We don't know if he, that he's filed those papers yet, and which. He really needs to do if he wants to get this overturned ever, especially if he wants to, to get it overturned by the end of this month. So I think Larry Craig just really can't get his head entirely around the fact that he has resigned and he's hoping maybe, maybe, maybe I can still, maybe maybe the teacher will be late to class and like two hours late and I can get my paper in on time and it'll all be great. But the fact is there's so much against him, including the, his own party uh, republicans here on the hill not very happy about word coming out yesterday that he was still keeping things open and you know it, it wasn't just yesterday i think the whole time beginning saturday when he made this announcement with it's my intent to resign that he really was trying to keep sort of an ace in his back pocket here uh hoping against hope that this would happen but you know we don't know how this is going to end he is still in office at least until september 30th it looks extremely likely that he will leave office the next day. Is he just th hoping that there's going to be some weird, spontaneous public outpouring of support where people, people storm the gates and demand that he stay? I, no, I think he's really just hoping that he gets a judge who sees, uh, who believes that uh, this 
case should be thrown out, who believes that there's no evidence against him, who takes his word over the police officer, and who says this is all circumstantial evidence, perhaps. We don't know exactly what his legal argument will be, but it'll probably be something along those lines. That he hopes he gets not only a judge who agrees with him, but a judge who is willing to take this case on very quickly. And I think that that's extremely unlikely. There are cases where judges will, of course, uh, move a case up if there is some reason uh, that that it will affect you know the greater world or that person's life if it must be done in a hurry. But this September 30th date was set by Larry Craig himself. He's the one who chose to announce his intent to resign on that day. It wasn't as if the U.S. Senate put that date on him. So I don't think judges will be automatically sympathetic to any argument of urgency on Larry Craig's part. But his, his spokesperson today now, because of all this flack, is saying, well, we think it's really unlikely that he'll resign, but we're just saying maybe. It, the whole thing is, see, I really, really hope he just drags this out as long as possible. If for no other reason than... Just from a, uh, I, I don't want to say from a, uh, from a voyeuristic point of view, but really just as an observer of the legal and political process, I would love to see this case go back to court because he does sort of have a point in the sense that all the evidence is very circumstantial and it, it depends. A, there's the notion that we're paying cops to sit in bathrooms and attempt to solicit sex from other men, and B, the idea that it all comes down to whether a cop and a random, you know, some random guy, in this case Larry Craig, and a judge, and, and the society at large, whether we all have the same general notion of how a guy is trying to solicit uh, some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of sleazy behavior from you in a restroom. I mean, it just, it would be a fascinating court case to watch to see if they could actually, you know what this reminds me of? This this business about trying to prove whether or not he was trying to get a guy to have sex with him in a bathroom by tapping his foot. Right. This reminds me of that time when Tom Cruise, and I don't think it ever happened, uh, that time when Tom Cruise was going to go to court to prove he wasn't gay. Yes, that's funny. Right? And I mean, he was going to, he was suing. Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, I, and I don't even know what the resolution of that case ever was. I think it was settled out of court. Yeah, because I mean, how do you prove you're not, I mean, really, I mean, honestly, how does one prove that one is not gay? It just, it, it makes no sense. So, this is such an angels on the head of a, uh, on the head of a pin sort of thing that I would, I would be fascinated to see it laid bare in the legal light of day. You know, it is funny. There is still the stakeout going out, at, uh, going on at Larry Craig's office here on Capitol Hill, waiting to see if he comes back. When he comes back, though, we hear he's going to stay in Idaho at least for the rest of today. We have no idea. But you're right. The Washington press corps is all over this. So I will say today is the day that I that I think uh, the the Kool Aid is is starting to get a little. The, the flavor is weakening here on this. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good reference. <laughs> By the way, I will not pass along to any and all morning DJs who may be listening that you may use the following phrase. Uh, when talking about this, you may refer to uh, the Larry Craig situation as being, quote, a real toe tapper of a case. Oh, you may have that phrase for oh. free. I'm not going to be using it. I'm going to pass that along. Uh, one of my one of my friends is a Capitol Police officer. He hasn't he hasn't really final finished this up, but he's he's spent the last four days trying to figure out some joke that has to do with Craig's list. Oh well, I think that's the joke right there. I mean, really. Right. Well, that's the thing. He's, he's like, okay, how do I set it up? What, what is the punchline? And, and every day I talk, I was like, have you figured it out yet? No, no, no. no here's here's there. Is he trying to come up with a joke or with like a phrase to use wittily while reporting? I think he's supposed to. I think he's looking for the full-on joke, the full-on oh. bam and bam. 
Um, Looking for it every day. I check in with him. I mean, it's like when he because these the Borton Capital Police officers they do a lot of standing around, and that's pretty much what he's been doing now, the last four days. It's trying to come listen, up with a joke involving Larry Craig. You've and, come to the right place, really. If that's really what you want, I mean, as um, you know, as as the guy as Guy Patterson says in that thing you do, you are talking to Spartacus. So we <laughs> we can we can make this happen. So what are the and I'll have the audience get on this. We'll have a joke oh, for like, you tomorrow. All right, all right. What what are the parameters and required ingredients in this joke? I w- you know, there's pretty much none, but I think a, f- a joke is more than a phrase. A joke is a setup. A setup and, and a, a punchline. A punchline. And it must contain the phrase Craigslist or the word Craigslist? Yeah, it's got to be. Craigslist has to be in there somehow. Craigslist. With Larry Craig. All right, Craig. I like the challenge. I think, I, I think this is precisely the right audience. No, no, no. This is the audience to come up with it. I'm not saying, I mean, if it can be done, these are the people to do it. So, so the, <laughs> the, and, and really we're offering, I don't think we're offering any sort of a, uh, we get into problems here. Hold on. I dropped my pen. Just one second. Oh, don't. We get into problems on the show whenever we have um, subjective giveaways or prizes. Like if we do like a caller five or if you can answer a trivia question or complete a song lyric, that's one thing. But every time on the show, whenever we give something away based upon a totally subjective assessment of some listener contribution, it gets us into trouble because then somebody who didn't win comes and they just give me like a figurative ass beating about it. You know what I mean? (laughs) So my submission was way better than that guy's. And then, so, so I don't know that we'll be giving anything away except for the respect of Lisa Goddard and some guy that you work with. All right. All right. Um, all right so Corporal just for the, for the listeners uh, who are out there paying attention, so the, the, by the end of the day's program, we need a two-sentence setup and punchline style but, joke. But a little more than two sentences, but two sentences is probably the idea. You don't want it to be too long. But a right? two-parter, you know, a, a setup and punchline style joke two-parter. about Larry uh, Craig, which is clean for broadcast and which contains the phrase or the word Craigslist. Yes. Okay, we need that by the end of the day. I love it. That's All right. Uh, moving on. Kachunk. Yeah. Let's talk about Fred Thompson, uh, 2008. Oh, he, he officially uh, announced what on the Leno show, right? Yes. All right. And then he did. Leno show, right. Twice the viewership of the Republican debate that was on last night, so he made a good, a good pick there. Which I think is smart, by the way, because those guys, it, it's weird that by slacking and not showing up, uh, and it, that he really. It, I, I think that helped him, right? Because he yes, because he so. he looks he did what uh, Bill Clinton or what Dick Morris anyway would call triangula, uh, triang, triangulation, nice. which right. is that he is he is between both extremes and sort of above them both. So while they are thrashing around in this sort of sewage pit of a presidential debate, which I think is something that all Americans have an instinctively sort of negative reaction to because we're so sick of politicians, he's out there a man apart uh, on the Leno show. He's the cool kid that didn't go to the assembly. Totally. That's exactly what he is. And Americans hate politicians so much, are so tired of debates. View debates as just so much hucksterism and just jive and just, you know, the pointlessness. The idea that he is passively saying, well, F it, I'm not even going to go. Uh, and instead he's hanging out with Jay Leno on television. That right there, I mean, that's a 10-point boost right there. Just doing that, I'll guarantee you. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's still, in national polls, he's still a good eight points behind Rudy Giuliani, but it's hard to say if those, you know, we've talked about this before, who knows if those polls are going to mean anything because it, it will come down to those first four or five states and then, and then maybe this gigantic, ginormous primary that now looks like it's going to happen on February 5th. But by the way, now because the primary system is just in utter chaos, thanks to Michigan, who would have yeah. thought Michigan, thanks to Michigan moving its primary up to the middle of January, uh, now 
many many a lawmaker here in Washington is trying to come up with their own plan for a new primary system, and most of them deal with uh, revolving uh, regions in the country. There are four or six regions that rotate which one goes first through different years, and it's it's all it's very uh, very Olympic committee esque and. But they're serious. Everybody, everybody's, uh, everybody's worried. The thing is, the, the the great thing that Thompson is doing, I think, is that getting know, me back on track, right? Well, and he is just, he is just gonna lo- let those guys just sort of punch each other in the face over that's, and over and over again. I think that's right, exactly. And because he's, he's already got more face recognition than most of them. He's very subtle because he knows he knows where his strong points are, and those are on those conservative issues where Romney has got the flip flopper problem, and where Giuliani is more liberal. And so he doesn't even have to go after them. He can just say, "Well, I believe in American values," and everyone's like, "Oh, that's a slam!" <laughs> that's wonderful. So he, he really almost doesn't have to do anything. Oh, it's wonderful. All right, um, I can't top that. Uh, and then finally, we've got. What is it now? Like the like the like the fifteenth so-called report card in Iraq that's come out in like a day. I no, don't even. It's only it's only number two. I know right. it's like number fifteen, but it's number two. And so the so this report card says what exactly? Right. This report card looks at security uh, and basically the national police, the Iraqi army, and it's. The way what you're going to hear most reporters tell you what you'll hear on the news, the highlights everyone's going with here in Washington, talking about the Iraqi police force especially, which this report recommends be disbanded, saying that the police force is so corrupt that it's really uh, almost a shill for militias, for militias to right. exact their own uh, brand of violence or to uh, push their own authority in whatever area they like. So they get members in the national police and, and use that uh, as they will. But what, what you're not going to hear a lot about is this report does actually have some positive things to say about the Iraqi army and does say that the Iraqi army is progressing very well, very quickly. The problem is uh, they started so far back that this report still says it'll, it will be a year, at least maybe a year and a half or more, before Iraqi security forces are ready to take over. And part of that does come because of the Iraqi police. And so the Iraqi police, are these just guys who, it, it, when you say the Iraqi police force, is that a bunch of guys who were on the job when we got there and we just sort of kept them around? <clears throat> around, Or are these, is this like the team, the crack team that, that we have ourselves assembled and must now uh, disassemble? Some of these men may have had a law enforcement job when we got there. But this is really a new, it's a new agency, a new entity. It's run by something called the Ministry of Interior. And their their job is more to uh, law enforcement within the country. It, it's as if, it's as if many, instead of having different police forces in every city, which, which they do, it is broken down like that, but it's as if we had, you know, one larger police force that was in charge of uh, patrolling cities and streets around America versus the Army, which obviously deals with uh, military, borders, those kinds of things, any armed insurgents. But in Iraq, really, they're, they're one and the same because you, you've got people with weapons everywhere uh, battling each other, and it becomes it becomes very overlapped. But, yeah, some of these are the same guys that were there before, but it's a totally new department. The way it's run, it's set up through this new agency, uh, was not something that existed in this form under Saddam Hussein. And by the way, I should note that we're getting sort of the, the very first rudiments 
Fabulous. Of the, yeah. uh, the, the really nothing. I don't think there's anything worthy of broadcast as of yet. All right, well, so noted. So, again, throw, throwing down yet another gauntlet then, people. No, it's true. They'll rise to the we occasion. We double it's, the efforts. We really have. You know, I'm not saying we don't have skills, but our skills on this program and in the audience, our skills are very specialized. So, uh, the, But you have stumbled right into our wheelhouse with this. So we'll try to have a joke for you by tomorrow. Okay, great. All right, Lisa Goddard, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you, Lisa Goddard. Oh, I got a little uh, throat Ew, going on. Now it's uh, uh, a... Yeah. Oh, never mind. You know what it is? It's like when you're drinking coffee or something. Like I was drinking my coffee with cream, uh, and you don't get a chance to really properly drink it and be done with it before you get to talk. Uh, and so I just... It feels like I still like... Like I never really finished drinking my coffee. I feel like it's still stuck in my throat. All right. 503-733-2970. Take a little break. Come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, we will have uh, the top five songs from February 4th, 1989, for no particular reason. Uh, also, the glorious Bastard of the Week and A Bad Way to Die. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Uh, 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 now, let's get it all in perspective. For all y'all enjoyment, a song y'all can step with. Y'all appointed me to bring rap... Okay. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. a little observation I made to myself the other night. It's one of those things that I write down and I send to myself so that I can talk about it and bore you all with my tedious existence. So the other night there was a leaflet put underneath the windshield wiper of my car. And you know, let me ask you this. Here's a funny thing. Did you ever notice this? You never see the guy putting leaflets under your car windshield, under your, uh, you know, your windshield wiper. Yeah. It's sort of strange. Like, they're, they're just there. It seems like there's some sort of uh, there's some sort of analog to that in nature. A whole you never see, blah, 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 blah. They just It just appears. What am I thinking of? Small garden gnomes. Yes, exactly. You never see small garden gnomes. No, that doesn't make any sense at all. It's not that. It's totally it's insane. Um, anyway, you never see a guy putting a leaflet. They're always just there. Well, anyway, so I come out. There's a there's a leaflet inviting me to some sort of a some sort of a Jesus revival, some sort of a, a big a big gospel-y Christian revival. Was this thing. in front of your house? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they just they did. I guess they did all of Southeast Portland or whatever. Jesus is not visiting your neighborhood. <laughs> well, Jesus, Jesus has long since abandoned this place. Uh, the well, Jesus does come to where the sinners are, Tim. Oh, that so is true. That is Southeast Portland, really. The uh, but the guy St. John. The guy had the greatest name, and he was just and he was he was. I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but he was striking some sort of. Um, he was this very well-dressed black man sort of striking this pose like he was about to do the finger pistol at you. You know, like a finger pistol of God. And it wasn't quite that, but it was like he was... It was like they snapped the picture as he was extending his hand to do the finger pistol of God. He had the greatest name. His name was the Reverend Urban Brown, which is great. Which is... Really, which is redundant in like three different ways, but it's a great name. Mm -hmm. Hello, I'm the Reverend Urban Brown. It's just fantastic. Just screams a certain Elan. Um, uh, all right, well, let's get this one call, then we'll go to the Ministry of Truth. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show with breaking news. Hey, Rick, what's happening? What? Well, hold on, let me find the breaking news center. Okay, what's up? So I uh, was just driving over the 405 bridge heading north. Yes, sir. And uh, an accident has just happened right before I passed. It involved a semi, a pickup truck, and uh, and two other cars. 
and it looks like somebody stopped short, threw the cars, smashed into the pickup truck, and then the semi uh, swerved to get out of the way and ended up, you know, sideways across the lanes. But that semi, it, had he not stopped soon enough, would have went right over the side of the bridge. Oh, uh. Did you cause the I accident, the, sir? Be honest. What was that? Did you cause the accident? Be honest. No, no, I didn't. Okay. I was behind it when I was waiting on the ramp up to get up to the bridge. Yeah. I wasn't quite on the bridge, but it was definitely elevated uh, a couple hundred feet. So he turned it side. So is he blocking all the lanes? He's blocking the lanes coming from Highway 30. But you think he would have gone right over? He would have. Oh, that thing wouldn't have stopped. Oh, that's that's all kind But of when I was bad. waiting to get up on the bridge, uh, the fire truck was coming through, so we pulled to the side. Uh, I'm not quite in the middle of the bridge, just on the big ramp up part. And as the, the fire truck's coming by, you can feel the whole thing bounce. Oh, oh, oh. That's kind of creepy. That's freaky. And I know that those highways, like the Space Needle, are designed to sort of bend and sway a little bit, and that's so they don't snap and break. But it doesn't make you feel anybody when you're there and you actually feel. Because in your brain, concrete isn't supposed to bend, you know? Yeah. Like in your head, it's just not supposed to do that. And you never notice it when you're driving on it because, you know, you're moving. But when you're sitting there, it's kind of freaky. You notice it every time you're stopped on the Ross Island Bridge and there's some guy and there's... Yeah. Hey, uh, hey uh, off the record, I got, uh, there's a, a YouTube clip you got to see. I, I I can't set it up for you. I can't tell you what it is because the, kind of the punch is not knowing what's going to happen. But it's called Breakdancing Baby Kick. It's like 17 seconds long. you got to check it out. It's is, hilarious. Okay, excellent. We'll get right on it, sir. Thank you. All right. All right, Bye. there you go. And Dave's in is a... We're now a wash and things from Dave's in, and he wants us to play his follow-ups to the Freedom Rock commercial. Hey, man, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, Dave's in the send along some good things, you know. When he's not busy sending threatening emails to Sarah about her poor choice of parking spaces. Is my pot up? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. This is okay. This is uh, this is from Dave's. Well, you set the dial on your FM radio and testing, testing. Mr. Microphone. These kids are having a fabulous time with Mr. Microphone, the cordless microphone that actually puts your voice on the radio. There are no attaching wires, so you're free to move around. Broadcast over air. Here we go. Here's the money shot. Oh! Oh! Oh, and it was, it stopped buffering. Darn. Damn it. Hang on. Hold on. Let's bring it back a little bit here. All right. Around. <laughs> Broadcast over any FM car radio. Hey, good looking. We'll be back to pick you up later. <laughs> How is it that that became the catchphrase? <laughs> There's certain funny. catchphrases that... The, if, I just don't even under I don't understand how it is that I mean that we could do like a, I don't even know if that's enough for a high that might actually be too small then but too niche of a topic for like high concept Thursday but like everybody like there are things that are designed to be catchphrases you know what I mean like you know we are two wild and crazy guys you know whatever that's designed to be a catchphrase um, or like that stupid, God, that hideous goddamn commercial we've been talking about with that bow chicka bow thing. That was obviously a bunch of guys in a room who thought they were really, really interesting and they wanted to, let's create a catchphrase for the young people. That was, but something like that, that, mm. hey, good looking, we'll be back to pick you up later, which everybody in my generation knows, and even Sarah knows, and she was like not even a zygote when this commercial aired. How is it that that became a catchphrase? It's not even really the most interesting line in the commercial. It's just sort of there. But we all just decided, without the aid of the Internet, I might add, uh, because this is like a good 20 years ago at least, we all just decided that that was the catchphrase from that commercial. doesn't make any sense at all. Human beings are weird. They really are. We're just, we just do weird crap. All right. 
Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Somebody has found a chopped-up body in a drum in a pig farm in McMinnville. Insert Mason Verger. Is it Verger or Verger? Who's that guy from Hannibal? Verger? Uh, Verger. You know, the guy with no lips that Gary Oldman played. I really only read the book. I didn't. I only paid the movie just the slightest bit of attention. The guy gets gutted? Yeah, the guy, who's, the guy who drinks the tears of children. Does he do that in the movie, too? I don't think so. I think he, is he the guy who's like hung out of the window and his intestines are everywhere? No, 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 no. That's a different guy. He's the guy who runs the pig farm that he's going to feed what's his name to. In the book, he actually drinks the tears of children. That's why you can't take that book seriously. Literally drinks martini glasses full of the tears of small children. I shouldn't laugh at that. Uh, so getting back to the dismembered uh, body of uh, a metal drum found at a pig farm in Minville. This uh, happened on Oldsville Road near Highway 18. The officials uh, pulled out the metal drum, photographed its contents, and we don't know what happened after that. Uh, police believe they are the remains of 23-year-old Christopher Lampkin. Uh, they believe that he was killed by 22-year-old Leonardo Gonzalez. Court documents obtained indicate the two men got into an argument and fight. Then, according to witnesses, Gonzalez ordered the victim to his knees and shot him in the head. So there were witnesses to this, apparently. Uh, they think Gonzalez disposed of the body by chopping it up and dumping the body parts. They were... Alemkin is described by friends as funny and bright. Until a drug sent him into a dark spiral. Wait, this is the guy who's dead or the guy who did the killing? Uh, the, funny the guy who's dead. Oh. Uh, the last time I saw him, he was rock bottom, said uh, a friend. Well, there you go. And this is in a barrel at a pig farm? Yeah, pig farm barrel. That's a... You don't want to end your life in a barrel at a pig farm. Especially in McMinnville. <laughs> Yeah, try to find a more upscale community for that. That's just, I mean, well, whatever. Okay, there you go. I, I don't... Eh, okay. Well, it's right? just there's so much work in some of these crimes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because that's the shooting, and then you got to... Ch- like, I wouldn't even know how to chop a person up. I'm not trying to be morbid for morbid's sake. I'm just saying, like Sarah, if you went home... Would you chop someone up? Sarah, if you had to go home and kill someone and chop them up, would you even know where to begin? Yeah, you'd chop them at the joints, probably. That's disgusting that you just said that without even missing a beat and a little hot. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, what would you do? Like, you have no tools? Well, if you... Okay, let me say this, theoretically speaking. You go home... You can buy tools at a dollar store. Really. Yeah. Let's say... Ooh. That's what you don't want to use tools from a dollar store, though. We're going to break the first well, thing you need ligaments. Ones. They're only good ones. That's, that's true. I guess you don't really need I to do, use them I most do have lots of, of friends that are mechanics and have car- garages full of power saws. Let's say you go home and you have a fight with Raul. I know that that's unlikely. But you go home, you have a fight with him, you decide, he needs killing. You know, and so uh, you whack him in the back of the head with a marble ashtray that you got from Leslie Nielsen, and then he's on the floor. What would you do? Where would you even? Would you even know? Are you seriously asking me what I would do with a body? I'm asking you if you had to cut up and dispose of a body tonight. Do you think you'd be able to do it? You live alone. Do you think you would be able to cut up and dispose of a body without, uh, you know, without too much trouble? Well, would... first you'd need a listing of pig farms. Well, but see, the, the disposal is later. Would you even have the tools with which to cut up the body? Not in my house. You'd have to go. Would you have to go buy them, or do you think you could borrow them? This whole conversation we played back later when I'm on trial for something, probably. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure I could bother borrow them, but I'd have to come up with a really good excuse as to why I need, you know, a saw. See, that's the thing. It. I think you could say that I'm trimming some branches in my backyard. It does seem like these crimes take a lot more forethought than you really would think, because, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I would. I, I, I own. You know what I have? I have. Um, 
I this I have what my wife refers to as this is we have a little uh, it's from like Sears cost fourteen dollars it is what my wife refers to as the straight girls tool set which is just it's a tiny little plastic tray that you open up and it's got like one screwdriver one I tiny hammer it. yeah exactly um, and um, there's no I can't dismember somebody with that unless they were real small like unless it was a midget or something so uh, it just seems like well, why do you have to dismember why can't you just... because how am I going to get the body out of my house did you have like a sleeping bag or something no how about a vat full of acid. Um, anyway, no, my, the sleeping bag is in, uh, that's in Italy right now. Oh, uh, Lara wants to tell you all hello. She's in Vienna today. Oh, hello. no, not Vienna. That's in Austria. Or is it? No, Venice. I don't know, Scotty J. Where is it? She's probably in Venice. Seen, maybe she's seen kangaroos. No, she's in Venice. And as she said it, she's like, you know, as she described it, she said, you know, it's cheesy getting your photo taken on a gondola, but I'm an American in Venice. What are you going to do? So she's fully aware that she's like yet one more moronic American getting their picture taken on a gondola. Uh, but she's like, you know, I'm here. You have to do it. You can't not. So anyway, so so yeah. hello to all of you. Okay. Uh, here's Tim Riley. I guess this is every pet owner's nightmare. Mm. You, you drop your, your pet off. And like pet smart for something for uh, grooming or whatever. Is this gonna? Is this gonna be? It's is, a happy ending. Okay, I was gonna it's say because I'm gonna drop my dog off somewhere okay, next it, week. It's a happy ending. Okay. Well, somehow, a Bristol, a three-year-old pug, uh, slipped out of its collar, and triggered the automatic sliding doors. Ran out of PetSmart. This is a PetSmart on Southeast 82nd. Of course. And runs on to I-205. Oh, oh, mm. it's oh. close by. Well, lucky. Uh, dispatchers sent the OSP down there. And Trooper Dwayne Larson, today's hero, Trooper Dwayne Larson of the OSP, spotted Bristol on the freeway about 9 o'clock this morning, parked his cruiser on the shoulder, and called the dog to him. Bristol responded Excellent. right away. So uh, Trooper Larson picked the dog up like a football, put him in the back of the patrol car, and returned him. Excellent. Well done. Yeah, my dog would be so dead. He doesn't really, he would, he just, he's, so, he's so disobedient sometimes. He would just be absolutely flattened. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a happy ending. So the uh, the people at the PetSmart said they followed all policies, including double leashing the dogs. But sometimes, with pets being pets, they can get away from the handlers. Maybe he was loosed by a monkey. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I was calling about the reference to the uh, the microphone. You know, hey, good luck. We'll get back to you later. Mr. Microphone, yes. Yeah, do you remember the Simpsons? Do you mean, like, in general? Well, they did that episode where Homer bought Bart the cordless oh, microphone. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Bart, uh, what did he do? He, he did... Jimmy O'Toole. What's that? It was a double entendre episode. They had Jimmy O'Toole down in the well, which became a joke, and they had Bart using the microphone that's to do right. it. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, he got into some mischief, and then at the end he learned a lesson, blah, blah, blah. That's right. Oh, but he did, and he, did use, he did use the phrase, didn't he? He did use the line, we're coming back to pick you up later, or did Homer say it? Exactly. He was trying to sell the mic to Bart to make it be the greatest gift ever, uh, and he used that punchline in the car. Hey, good luck. We'll be back to you later. And he was talking about his sister. Excellent. Oh, that's crazy. Creepy. Thank you. That's disturbing. Bye now. Yeah, people, I'm starting to find, like, people I think are pretty sane are like, uh, if you have to buy tools, use cash so they can't trace back the credit card that you use at a hardware store. Uh, how about this one? You could dissolve a body in a bathtub full of Drano. Also, you'll probably want to chop it at first and get rid of the tools. They'll have blood on them no matter how much you clean them. 
And these are from people I know who are relatively stable, yep. or so I thought. I mean, you could go, you know, in dumpsters anywhere in Southeast and find these anywhere. Really. Yeah, that's probably well, true. And they've already got some, I was going to say, they've got somebody else's DNA mm-hmm. on them already. Mm-hmm. Because of, you know, I read an interesting article the other day, actually, that said, and I don't watch CSI, and I'm not saying that, like, in some better than CSI kind of way. I just, I've never, it's one of those shows I'll see someday. Uh, there's like a hundred versions of it out now. It'd be impossible to catch up. Um, you know, so the next time I'm unemployed, that'll be the show I watch. The thing about it, though, is I read this uh, story that said that, well, two things. A, that they're having a hard time getting juries to convict criminals now because because it's called the CSI Center. Because of CSI, juries expect for, like, some guy to show up with some, like, space-age computer program that, like, proved, you know, like, and here... We, juries always expect now for a guy to have, like, an absolute DNA match or for the prosecutor to have some enhanced photograph where they've, like blown up a picture of a guy's license plate and like sharpened it you know and they've and they find they find like all of these weird dna flags indicating that he's the criminal and that csi has just trained people to expect that the cops have a much more airtight case than like they ever do ever um and secondly they this is the weird interesting part they said that csi has actually now started training criminals how to better cover their tracks they said that actually uh, criminals who have now learned from CSI specific things to do to make themselves harder to catch. And so now cops are finding criminals who kill people. And the example they gave was, I'm uh, not trying to tell you how to get away with the crime, but the, the example they gave well, from... Well, it's a cross-promotion at CBS. <laughs> yes. Uh, and hardware stores. Um, they said that criminals are now learning that after a crime scene, you just dump bleach everywhere because that destroys DNA, all DNA residue. And they said that that's a thing that the average person didn't know until CSI. And now, like, every criminal who's ever seen CSI goes to commit a crime, brings a bunch of bleach, waves it everywhere, cops show up, no evidence. So, anyway, there you go. Well done, CBS. Here's Tim Riley. From Omaha, Nebraska, comes the word. A man with camouflage paint on his face and a fake gun tried to break into billionaire Warren Buffett's house. But he got in a scuffle with a security guard. Buffett's wife, Astrid, summoned the guard after the doorbell rang shortly after 10 o'clock. The security guard found the man dressed in black on the front porch confronting him. The man struck the guard in the head and took off. Yeah. Uh, neither Buffett uh, was home, and his wife was not injured. However, this home is ungated. It is 5,880 square feet. He bought it in 1958 for $31,500. Jesus, really? And he is the world's third richest man. He is worth $52 billion and doesn't even have a fence. Doesn't have house. a gate, you know, because he's a man of the people, Tim. That's exactly what he is. And being CBS, we're, we're offering people aid in this. Anyway, uh, that, so that's that. So his, Joe, in case you're wondering, like the richest guy on planet Earth has no gate around his house. Right. Don't, don't misuse that information. And don't take any bleach. Don't take any bleach. No. Uh, more crime news. Well, actually, it isn't. This is a happy... Well, let's do another crime while we're at it. Uh, authorities have arrested a man accused of stabbing his roommate with a samurai sword during an argument in Ammon, Idaho. Uh, the uh, Bonneville County sergeant said 25-year-old Ruben Diaz was taken into custody by the SWAT team with a three-foot-long blade in an early morning dispute. Uh, and the person he went after, Duck Du, has uh, injuries to his stomach, arm, head, and left hand. Um, let's see here. Oh, he tried to jump from a second-story balcony, but he didn't get away. So they found him in an apartment complex hiding in the park. Yeah, this audience seems to... I won't say this audience. This, this slice of the country, so to speak. Yeah. We do seem to have a disproportionate number of samurai sword attacks. Uh, let's see Thank here. goodness we do. I'd be bored to death. <laughs> really? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hi. Hi. I have a Craigslist joke for you. You have a Craigslist joke. Lisa Goddard... Uh, has asked for our help in assembling a 
Craigslist joke regarding Larry Craig. Is this clean for broadcast? It is perfectly clean for broadcast. All right, please, no profanity. Please not to be giving us the joke. Okay. Have you heard about the new um, the new updates they've made to Craigslist? No, Diane, I haven't. In the personal preferences, now they have a wide stamp two tap method. That gets one wah. That is a stretch. Uh, that gets one us. one wah. Their brevity is the soul of wit. It just seems like it's a little bit of a mouthful. It's oh, I'm sorry, that was the phone up. Um, the no, that's a. I would say that's a uh, that's a one wah joke. I mean, I. I give you the there you go. I give you the, the, the points for trying to e for effort, Diane. Oh right. And it's the first person up with a joke. You know, I got to say, you're like those first. You know, the first troops off the off the boat at Normandy. You know, it's uh, you know it's it's hard to be the first one out of the gate. So my uh, my props to you for that. A good good try. Thanks. Hey, I have a question for you. Yes. You are still out in Italy. Are you still are you still uh, eating yourself to death? Am I? I'm sorry, I missed the first missed the first half of that. Oh, my wife's in Italy. Am I still eating? Yes. Yes. Y- yes. I have I have the best for you to go. The best what? Best uh, food eatery place to go? Food eatery. Food eatery place. Not to be confused with a restaurant. <laughs> Is that right it's, by it's the, cement, no, the cement pond? <laughs> We're going to go to them, one of their food eateries and do ourselves some appetizerin. Yes, what, where should I go? It is in northeast over us 108th and Halsey. Uh-huh. It's called Calamity Jays. Calamity Jays. Is that a bar? It is. It's a sports bar. I've uh, driven by there a couple times. I've never gone in. It's the best thing. It's called the Calamity TP. Okay. It is a layer of biscuits topped with a layer of hash browns. Okay. Topped with a layer, like a slab of ham. Okay. You had me a slab, yes? <laughs> country gravy. Uh-huh. Smothered in country gravy. Okay. Sprinkled with cheddar cheese and a biscuit half right on top. Excellent. Let's see if we can get them to call that the Tim Riley 2. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Calamity Okay, I will check that out this week. All right, great. Thank you, Diane. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, uh, ever since... Let's have the salesperson over there. Seriously, Alan Gabrowski. Um, the, you know, my diet now consists solely of, uh, of like, uh, frozen pizza and, like, this, uh, bitchin', um, uh, this bitchin' chive and sour cream dip that Ruffles sells. That's it. My whole diet. Often one dipped in the other. You're actually eating Ruffles dip? Yes, I am. I didn't think anyone actually purchased that. I purchased it, and I consume it. It's like a small, teeny little jar that's about 7,000 calories. Yes, it is. Just one teeny little jar. You are looking, you're looking a little puffy. Yes, I am. Now, i gotta, you know, I got to be walking over, all over London for 10 days and, you know, whatever. It's oh, fine. who are you kidding? You're going to find some pizza tour or some, like, fish and chips tour. And yeah, but I, still have to, but I still have to walk everywhere, don't I? In other words, you're, London's not a driving town, is no, it? No, no, no. That's no, a no. tube town. Now, is it, do we know that the strike is, is going to be off? I'm pretty sure. Somebody yeah. told me that oh, London oh, was a place oh. where you walked everywhere. Well, you do. Yeah, you walk a little bit. So, you know, it's funny. You know what? I, I'm fine. I'm zen with the fact that I'm putting on like a thousand pounds in the next ten days. I'm okay with it. The only place to be afraid of strikes is in France. They're always on strike. Yeah, and it, well, you know, but it, it's like every yeah, it's, a, it's like a state of constant existence yeah. over there, and like general strikes and student strikes. And right. uh, hello, hi, Rick Emerson show. Who's this? Oh, this is Brandon. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Uh, so I got one of the Senator Craig jokes. All right, do one more, and then we'll uh, then we'll rejoin the news. Yes. All right. What do you call the speech impediment that affects senators, making them unable to give definitive answers as to whether or not they are resigning due to homosexual impropriety? <laughs> Craigslisp. Craigslisp. All right. That's. Wait. That's not bad. No, I get that's two. You get you get two was right there. Because it's here's the thing about that. The setup was so long that it was good, then bad, then completely unusable, then kind of funny again at the end because it was so long. It became humorous again. Craigslisp. Right. All right. Thank you. All right, thanks. Bye now.
we're not going to use that. But that's, that is funny. I do like the fact that he just sort of went for it there. Yeah. All right, here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, because you can't wait till you get home, and we live in a very busy world, you'll now be able to download iTunes at Starbucks. Of course. Free iTunes access will debut in 300 company-operated stores in Seattle and New York. Let's see. So it doesn't say where we're going to get ours. So it's like a Wi-Fi thing? Yeah, basically. But it's only for iTunes. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, that does make sense. It is part of, let's all say it together now, the Starbucks culture. Which, and I, I mean, I know that Lycus did a whole thing on this a few weeks ago, but I don't even really know what that means. When they, I'd like to get somebody from Starbucks the on Starbucks actually. Starbucks culture? Yeah, because they, they use that phrase all the time. We built this Starbucks. Oh, I walked right into it. All right, we thank built you. this Starbucks on Please stop. Please turn it off. I'm never asking it again. Thanks. Are you getting one of the new uh, exciting iPods? You know, they've discontinued the white iPod now. I know. The white iPod is now a thing of the past. <gasps> Gone. I have, I have a black one. Yeah. It's a me too, actually. Although, uh, let me tell you, the sad thing is when I got my MP3 player, mm-hmm. it's black. But the first thing I did was I bought a case to jam it into so that it can't ever get scratched or scuffed. So it's got this great just at, like onyx cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one can ever see it because I'm so terrified that it'll be. So I'm preserving it so no one, you know, so it'll be look great. Mm-hmm. But yet, but the irony, of course, is by preserving it, I, no one will ever be able to see it. But. No, but with all the things I actually need and can't seem to find the money for, wow, that $149 seems like a steal, doesn't it? No, it's true. It's true. We were actually just, I was at a meeting last night, and we were talking about iTunes and digital music sales. And what, Do you see that NBC is going to stop selling their shows on, on iTunes? I don't know why they're doing that. Because they're morons. <laughs> I can answer that right now. Idiots. Idiots and fools. Because they somehow think that iTunes, because on iTunes, an episode of an NBC show was going for $2, so $1.99 for an episode. And NBC somehow felt that that wasn't high enough. They felt that, like, no, 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 it's got to be more than that, which is, of course, completely retarded because a, a, a network season is 22 episodes. So at 2 bucks a throw, that's $44, which is about what a DVD set starts at. So, of course, and you're not even getting the, the actual DVD set with that. It's, you're not even getting the physical DVD. So it's absolutely what you should be paying. And NBC somehow has this idea that they're going to create, you know, like, their own store that's going to compete with the iTunes store. So, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's ridiculous. Even I see that. All right. Where were we? I have no idea. Stabbing and pig farms. And... Well, let's talk about something more pleasant. Crimeville authorities say a black bear and a juniper tree finally came down late Wednesday when nobody was around. This stubborn old bear stayed up in the tree for hours while spectators, many with cameras, hung out near the base. And they warned them that the animal would not descend if they remained there. A Crook County Sheriff's deputy said the tree is located on Northeast Johnson Creek Road. So we can all go by and bother the bear. Right road. We get, what kind of bear is this? That's a garden variety bear. But, I mean, it, it's an eat-you-and-kill-you bear, I would imagine. I would imagine so, if it's hungry. Yeah. So we're giving the address of the tree so people can go by and be eaten? Well, apparently the bear jumped out. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, the bear was still tree-brown and found, and people gathered around in numbers to see him photograph. What kind of... Look, there's a thing with huge razor-sharp claws and teeth in a tree that can run 40 miles. Let's go but stand It underneath. got so bad that they had to close down the road at 1130. And just a half hour later, the bear was finally gone. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you that there's just people begging for a killing in this world, and that's it. If you go and stand 30 feet away from a bear, all right, I just got this great and the, and find your remains at a pig farm. Totally, exactly. Uh, and I love the idea that they all think it's like a cute and cuddly bear too. You know, let's go stand next to the cute cuddly thing that wouldn't possibly kill us. I'm just picturing. Let's bring a little picnic basket along and share. I just got this great image of Winnie the Pooh, but like a blood-soaked Winnie the Pooh, just sort of gnawing on somebody's femur. Just, oh, bother. All right, here's Tim Riley. 
Well, that nine-year-old boy who saved his dad's life by taking the wheel of that big rig when his dad had a seizure and blacked out, he finally got his wish. When asked uh, last month what kind of reward he'd like for his bravery, Matty Lovo said he would like a brand new PlayStation. Well, apparently, he now has a PlayStation all its own. And I can thank the community for its generosity. Eventually, after uh, Sony called to donate one, the youngster agreed to accept it. So, uh, there. So that's the end of it. He's going to let his dad play the game, too. He needs to have a spin. Uh, Matty said his real reward is that his dad recovered from his seizure. This happened in St. Helens. A good Samaritan who noticed the child struggling at the wheel jumped out of his own car and jumped in the uh, big rig to stop it. So that was that. Uh, members of an Australian comedy show, one dressed as Osama bin Laden, drove through two security checkpoints yesterday before being stopped near the Sydney Hotel where the president is staying. The state embarrassed Sydney police, who have imposed the highest security measures in the city's history. This is a summit of leaders of the uh, Pacific Rim, that include uh, George Bush. Police arrested 11 cast and crew members of the television program The Chasers War on Everything and Pounding Three Vehicles. This is a program of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which airs the show. Cast members put together a sham motorcycle, hiring two motorcycles and three large cars, and put Canadian flags on. Police waved the motorcade through two checkpoints before pulling it over near the hotel entrance. I wonder if it's illegal to fly as uh, if you're dressed as Osama bin Laden. I don't know. I mean, what is that? How could they even prove that that's who you were dressed as? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, just because you're, uh, you know, you've got a, a beard and a robe doesn't mean you could just say you were Jesus. You somebody should totally do that. You know what I mean? Just that if you get busted for that, just say you claim if you're this comedy guy, just claim you're dressed as Jesus. So uh, that's and the president told the Australians when asked how we're doing in Iraq, he said, "quote We're kicking ass." I saw a man. I looked so hard for the audio for that of George Bush saying that we are quote kicking ass yep. in Iraq, and I can't find it for the life of me. No, nope, I've been looking, and I know you know. And the thing is, you know, if it existed, we would have found it by now because every blogger on earth is trying to find the audio of that. Um, it was in Australia, and a newspaper reporter said. Hey, Mr. President, blah, 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 blah. How are we going in Iraq? What, how are things? And George, George Bush's response was, we're kicking ass. I mean, that's what happens when that guy is allowed to speak to the public without, like, th- several filters between him and us. That, that's the kind of gibberish that comes out of his head. Oh, my God. Speaking of audio. Yes. Have you, have you managed to find audio of Ted Kennedy single year of the world? No, I have not. Did you even hear about it? I've heard about it, yes. A drunken Ted Kennedy singing, we are the world. Uh, apparently, it's the worst thing ever, and no one can find audio of that either. So, darn it all to heck. If you can find audio of Ted Kennedy singing We Are the World, uh, or of uh, George Bush claiming that we are, quote, kicking ass in Iraq, please to be. Uh, it's not that we haven't tried. Passing. No, I've been looking. I really have. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How you doing? What's up? <laughs> I'm sorry, I did, I wake you, did, I, did I wake you up? No, it's just, you know, of course, the phone goes, and I'm on, like, right as I'm mid yawn. Yes. It's just how it goes. Um, how does uh, Senator Larry Craig find heterosexual life mates on the internet? These setups Craig are all list. very long. Well, hey, um, <laughs> I missed that. I don't, let's just let it go. Yes, yeah. and anyway, you guys were talking a while ago about the kids in the baggy pants and how, like, in 1995, that was an issue, but now they're trying to outlaw it. Sure. Several, like, several weeks ago. Have you seen the kids in downtown Portland with their, like, flock of seagulls, like, cure haircut in their eyes, and they're in their really tight little sister's pants complaining about how they're so hurting? Yeah, well, there is some... Would you of... rather see a guy in baggy pants or those friggin' skin-tight, like, spandex jeans that they... Are you auditioning for a weekend show, time? sir? Is, huh? this, is this, like, ten minutes at the comedy store? Are you auditioning for a weekend show, sir? No, well... 
sure, whatever, I get bored. Uh, all yes, I'm saying is they're complaining about big friggin' jeans, and it's like, dude, you can see these guys' pseudo-camera toes through these pants, and they're complaining of oversized pants. That was an issue, what, with NWA in 1990? I'll go get the authorities right on it, sir. I'll make sure that they redirect their priorities. Exactly. Get these kids out of skin-tight jeans. Okay. I'll make that part of my platform when I run. Thank you. Something has to be done. Bye now. There you go. Thank you, sir. All right. Good Lord. Here's Tim Riley. I don't know where to go from here. I really don't know either. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Fred Thompson. Apparently, this uh, fellow was running for president. Not that anybody would probably care, and it's probably too late for him to win anyway. But he declared his intentions on the uh, Jay Leno program last night. I'm running for president of the United States. All right. Love the idea that that's somehow worthy of an ovation, no matter who it is. Everybody who runs for anything gets a standing ovation. Then the applause lines go on, and people do as you're told. <laughs> Clap, you bastards. Here's uh, one of his presidential ads. We try to give equal time to everyone, but sometimes we feel. But here's uh, one of his commercials. I'm Fred Thompson, and I approve this message. On the next President's Watch, our country will make decisions that will affect our lives and our families far into the future. We can't allow ourselves to become a weaker, less prosperous, and more divided nation. Today, as before, the fate of millions across the world depends upon the unity and resolve of the American people. Sounds like a bill. I'll talk about this tomorrow on Fred08.com. an hour. I invite you to take a look and join us. Fred Thompson, Republican for president. He's he's doing that thing though, and you can you can hear it. He because Rudy Giuliani is from New York City. He's doing that thing where he's deliberately dropping all of his G's. To be like common folks. Totally. To speak like the common man. I belong to the hamburger helper belt. Totally. <laughs> That's a big belt, too. That's like a 44. Yes. He wants to appeal to, you know, to the small-minded. Mm. Oh, wait, Scott, he's just typing the screen. I'd vote for Fred. He'd kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's Bush who kicks ass. Job done. Well done, Fred. Way to capture your target demo. Apparently it's working. Yeah, no, he's a, and you know, and he's a very well-spoken person. Mm -hmm. But when he talks, he just starts to do this, and he gets all mumble mouth. Yeah, and he yeah. just everything comes out as a droll. Well, what are you gonna do? I don't really care. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, Bill Clinton says that Thompson is an exciting personality entering this race. I think he's an exciting personality for them, but because of his movie roles and his television roles, he's got a certain uh, swagger. Uh, he's he's smart. He knows what to say and how to say it to appeal to a certain big swath of the American electorate. <laughs> you know exactly what he's saying there. Clinton is so savvy. I mean, you know exactly what he's talking about. We got plenty of Bill Clinton. And he was smart enough to send all these letters out the same night he was on Larry King. Thank you, Bill. Uh, he says that Hillary would make the best president. Trust the voters to make the right decision. I feel very strongly that Hillary would be the best president. And I go around the country trying to say why. Okay. Uh, he was uh, visiting Larry King, and he talked about his uh, legacy. I would like to say that I was a president who left America and the world better off when I left than when I started, and that after I left office, I did my best to help organize people as private citizens to do the same thing. You know, Clinton looked and spoke better than ever. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he, he's, been, he's been holding it all in, I think. He's sort of aged exponentially in office like they all do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, every president gets into office, and then it just, they look like they're about 30 years older by the time they get out. Um, but he has held it together really well, because he had a heart attack or something, right? Or a heart bypass or something? Yeah, something. Heart he, thing. Yeah, he was he held, low for months. No, he held it together. He's, made, he's, you know, he's looking good, though. I saw him. He looks, uh, he looks fit. He said he will not judge Larry Craig. One of the things I did to try to get through that period was to 
think long and hard about times <laughs> in my past oh, when I sorry. had judged people too harshly because they had a problem I didn't have. And I promised myself that I'd never do that again. And I'm trying to keep that promise. Okay. Craig was a fervent critic of Bill Clinton when he was embroiled in his own scandal way back when. All right. Rick, you have to combine Fred Thompson's commercial with Dr. Phil's bragging on yourself. They're the same person. (laughs) And that really is true. You can totally see Fred Thompson saying that, can't you? All right. Can't you? Bragging on yourself? All right. right, Take a break here. We'll come back at can't. Um, More Larry Craig stories. Uh, Fred Thompson, he's a girl who can't say no. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. Back with Tim Riley after this. Uh, later well, on, Jovi has the can't thing now, too. Oh, no, he, well, because he's, he's done country. He's reborn as a country star. Mm-hmm. He meant, oh, man, I heard the worst thing the other day. He well, we'll talk about it when we come back. Yeah. <laughs> after this, uh, Tim Riley returns. Later on, top five songs from uh, February 4th, 1989. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. When it comes to the music of the 90s, anything goes. Music today is everywhere. No need to label it. If it's good, we'll play it. That's why we got Living in the 90s. Two and a half hours. That's an ad for Charlie. Oh, man. Check it out. I used to know these new sequins. Is this like the freedom rock of your generation? Living in the 90s, totally. There's only one thing left to say about living in the 90s. You're unbelievable. Oh, really? Honestly? To order, call the number on your screen or send check or money order. Two CDs, $26.99. Two cassettes, $21.99. Rush delivery available. Living in the 90s is not sold in stores. Yes, what, a, what a crime that is. What a shame. Man, and there are two of the whitest people you have ever seen in the <laughs> talking back and forth to each other. You know, very non-threatening, like light brown hair with, on both of them. Of course. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Okay, so I'm working on this Ted Kennedy thing. Really? Yeah. Now, did you find... Do you want me to put you up? Well, it's not ready yet. Okay. It's supposed to be on after this. So this is Ted Kennedy uh, apparently singing We Are the World. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might as well pop me up here. We'll find out what happens. Okay, this is uh, Kennedy honoring VIPs honoring Jones, it says here. It happened Wednesday night. Ted Kennedy singing on stage. Okay, let's see what happens here. I can't promise anything, mind you. Do the best I can with this. Well, all right. It's not working. That is gripping. Let me look here. I hate it when that happens. Now, is it just not playing? It's not playing, and there's nothing there. I already... Did you try hitting this? I did, yes. Nothing happened. Oh, here we go. Okay. Hold on. Okay, let me let this buffer for a minute. uh... I'm going to let this buffer for a minute. All right. Who would tell Ted Kennedy that that was a good idea? Well, I guess depending on where it took place, he is just sort of a living god. I mean, I guess you just—I guess he can just sort of do. Uh, do you get the feeling there are whole sections of the country where Ted Kennedy could just walk around in a loincloth, just eating from a side of beef and setting fire to things, and everybody would just have to let him do it because he is just sort of an emperor? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you just without hesitation. Yes. Yes, that's the fact, Rick. All right. Excellent. No, okay. Well, family has given more to the American way of life uh-huh. than the Kennedys. Okay. Well, we'll. Uh, I love the way you say that like it's been programmed into you. Let's it know. has been. The Kennedys are our friends. They have given a great <laughs> amount of wealth and 
you know, through the family, through the way life, and the whole just spitting it right at Kristen. From accounting, does exactly the same thing, by the way. Oh, does she? Yeah, that's a whole lot of uh, like that's a whole lot of North Korea. Like, uh, you know, our glorious leader will make the weather today splendid as it is every day, as is all you know, as are all things in this workers' paradise. All right, here's Tim Riley. Okay, so let's try this again. Okay, I can't promise anything. This is really... And I'm not delivering anything either. <laughs> well, then we're all then we're all set. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, here's it's just it's equation well, closed. Well, let's talk about something else because this yeah. is gonna. It's... No, it's just so it's frustrating beyond belief that I can't that we that there's audio right there of yeah. Ted Kennedy singing "We Are the World" and that we can't quite get to it. Oh, this is I frustrating. Hate that. Some sort of a Greek punishment. Okay. Well, uh, Portland Meadows is up for sale. This is a horse racing place. It is saddled with mounting debt. I guess people don't want to watch the ponies race anymore. Mega Entertainment Corporation has announced its plans to sell the operating rights. Portland Meadows. It's the... Uh, it's it, they do the horse racing? Park. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've seen some shows there. Yeah, okay. Uh, many Clark County jockeys, trainers, and horse owners do business at the North Portland Racetrack. It typically runs a thoroughbred and quarter horse meet during the fall and winter months. They have revenues that are close to nearly $204 million during the second quarter, but lost $24 million. I don't mean to sound like I'm out of touch with my own culture here, but I mean, does, do people really go to see horse racing? Do you know anybody who goes to see horse I racing? I used to go as a child because my dad used to go all the time. It's very, very much an East Coast thing. Yeah. Sarah, you know anybody who goes to watch horse racing? No, but when I was dating Justin, he that was his first job is working at the horse tracks out there. But, I mean, you don't know anybody who goes as a customer. Isn't that a I thing think that he did. you just picture like guys with cigar stubs and yeah, sport you're, you're coats in a, New Jersey? A white owl cigar. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anybody. I'm going to bet on festering vein here. I mean, it just. It just and the rundowns are in the paper and you fold it back. Totally. You have, you have yeah. But you have to do it while you're sitting in a seedy yeah. bar drinking some scotch with your tie, you know, all loosened in a sweat stained shirt. And then you've got to take your racing form back to the Flophouse apartment where you live next door to Telly Savalas. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's exactly how that works. It just seems like. And by the way, if you if you're going to England, they bet on everything there. Oh yeah, no, everything. It, because the gambling laws are much more lax there. Um, it just seems like a like a weird sport of the past. I'm not trying to knock it. Um, I know that um, Stan Mack, who is the general manager of Kink, uh, K Hits, and I know he's I know he's an enthusiast of horse racing. But it does seem like a generational thing, very much so. I, I don't really know any of my contemporaries who are big horse racing fans. Anyway, so the selling Portland medals, what, is it not making any money? Or? Yeah, it says right. losing money. Well, there you not go. enough people go. All what, right. What can you do? Uh, more Larry Craig stories because you asked for them. Did you know his daughter has a bench warrant out? No, I did not know that. Uh, our good friend Chris Sneathan of OnTheVig.com just sent me this. It says, Rick... Larry Craig's daughter has a bench warrant out for her arrest in Idaho. Please discuss. So there you go. Well, first we have to discuss that his supporters, well, the American Land Rights Organization, are calling for a boycott of the Miami-St. Paul Airport. The Battleground Washington-based association, wow, it's local, says airport police who arrested the senator in a men's room stinger responsible for weakening private property rights to the West. This is really some nutcase. I don't, I what does this have to do with it? this from? Uh, this is from the AP, the Seattle Post-Intelligentsia. These people gathered at the Ross Island Grocery. So apparently people in Battleground want us to boycott the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. Okay, done. Next. <laughs> I mean, really, how, first thing, you can't boycott an airport. What am I supposed to do, take a dog sled to get there? These people in Battleground say it's feasible. Well, of course they're in Battleground. They're hicks. They probably don't fly anyway. They're big, afraid of the big scary metal bird in the air. I mean, really, honestly. If you're in battleground, you probably don't even know how to use a chair. Let's be honest. I mean, seriously. Avoiding an airplane. I don't hold with it. 
Did you see that story about the, uh, God, where was it? Was it Syria, Afghanistan, is, is some uh, Middle Eastern country? Did you see, I turn, I'm turning to Scotty, one of them countries. Did you see that, that story about the plane that wasn't working properly, and so they stopped and they did, they stopped everything and sacrificed two goats on the runway? Oh, I saw so that. So that, like, the spirit god in the sky or what whatever the hell that? would let the plane run properly? It did. Oh, man. It's a fantastic story. I love stories that just confirm the vast stupidity of human beings. It was, um, Court and Fatboy were talking about again last night, too, that there was some mechanic. I'm going to have to find it now. Um, there was some mechanic working on an airplane, and I don't remember what country it was, but it was like the plane wasn't, wasn't working right. And, the, you know, they didn't trust the mechanic with all his fancy tools and his book knowledge. And so they brought in some goats and sacrificed some goats. Uh, right there, I believe, on the tarmac, and that was their solution. Like that was the way they were going to get the uh, they were going to get the plane. Here we go. Oh, it was in Nepal. I thought they were all elevated and enlightened. Isn't Nepal where what's his name, the Dalai Lama is? Where's no, the... no, no. He's from another country. Where's the Dalai Lama from? He's from. Uh, not that I really give uh, Tibet. Is Tibet not near Nepal? No. I mean, I really am just becoming Scotty here. But I where where is Nepal? Is that a country or is that a place inside a country? No, that's a country. Okay, and so it's not near Tibet. No. All right. So this is um, from Nepal. Nepalese airline sacrifices goats to please sky gods. I mean, really, you, you just wouldn't think these stories were real. That would be a great name for an airline. Sky god. Sky god. Sky god. <laughs> Where, what airline are you flying? Sky god. Kneel now. This is from Kathmandu, Nepal. Nepal's state-run airline sacrificed two goats earlier this week, hoping it would please the gods... How would you like to be the guy, flat, like you're some, uh, you know, you're some guy from, you know, whatever, you, you, you know, you're from Germany or you know, England or someplace, and you just happen to go through Nepal, and then this is what you're being told about the airplane, because a lot of us have fear of flying on well-regulated uh, and well-maintained airplanes. Like Sarah flies, you know, like a regular normal airplane out of, like, Portland, and I know she's not crazy about it. How would you like to be on this plane and you witness this happening? Nepal's state-run airline... And that's always the mark of quality, by the way, that it's state-run. Sacrificed two goats earlier this week, hoping it would please the gods and resolve technical problems with the jet airliner, officials said Thursday. The airline's Boeing 757 aircraft had been grounded for maintenance. The other jets suffered technical problems as well that stranded passengers. Hoping to end these mechanical problems... The airline sacrificed goats earlier this week, according to airline officials, in hopes of pleasing, quote, sky gods. Two observations. One is, and I think Court asked this, I think Court and Fatboy were making this observation. First of all, do they just keep a pan of goats around there? Like, is this, and, and did the, and, and was the mechanic allowed to, like, did he... Well, I imagine like, was he working, or did they say, ah, your, your, your wrench isn't working. Go home. We're just going to kill a goat. Well, that, well, that's a country where goats are like pigeons, I would imagine. I suppose. Anyway, but as Fatboy noted, any, uh, any civilization that is still sacrificing animals to appease a god should not be allowed access to technology. You should, you, come back and see us in about 70 years. You know what I mean? If you're still sacrificing anything to please an imaginary being, you're not allowed to have nice things. So... Go back and come see us in a century. Jesus. All right. What are we? Uh, what are we doing here? Did you? Do we have? Are we have something? No. no it's, a, it's a crappy connection. Is this yeah. the Ted Kennedy audio? Yeah, it's not meant to be heard. Uh, that's okay. You know, we should sacrifice something. 
The Kennedys have sacrificed enough. Let's sacrifice a cat. What? The Kennedys have sacrificed enough for this country. We don't want to get too pushy. What? Sacrifice Scotty J. <laughs> that would be great. You yeah. should have played the sound. It would have been hilarious. I went right you to... need to learn how to lip read. I'm pretty good at reading your lips. I do it pretty well. Just sometimes what was I that? can't always tell. No, she said, I was the first thing I went to, what are you going to kill? Well, let's kill a cat. You know, because really, who's going to miss a cat? Um, that she immediately went to, Scotty J. So there you go. We should. Ab- I thought it would be funny to play a sounder. Ab- so in your in your head, the joke went like this. We should sacrifice something. <laughs> See, that is funny. You're right. Oh, well good. done. All right. All right. I'm sorry, Tim. I know you wanted to hear the Ted, the Ted Kennedy sound, as did I. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, there was a, a Republican debate last night. And, of course, they only have, like, three different topics being Republicans. One, of course, was family values. Uh-huh. And uh, Rudy said his private life is not affected what he calls 35 years of successful experience in government. Yeah, whatever. So, quite obviously, any issues that go on in my private life, which I don't think are terribly different than at least some people in this country, I certainly haven't lived a perfect life. I am not running as the perfect candidate for president of the United States. I'm running as a human being. Uh, Sam Brownback is running as the perfect candidate. He says uh, family values are the core of uh, fixing the nation's many issues. If we're going to solve problems of education, why are there so many songs about rainbows? What's what's taking place in uh, some of our areas where we're not getting the growth? Some of our areas. Got to rebuild. I need growth in my area. That's at the core of what we need to do. And a lot of people want to hear what he has to say. Seriously, have you seen the picture? Haven't you? Three people. So the, great. The stagehand, the where, guy doing the audio, and, and the, the bartender. Yeah. Where was that? Do that we was uh, St. Anselm's College in Manchester. So, Manchester. So, there was, so Senator Brambach showed up to give his speech in Manchester, this stump speech. Mm-hmm. No exaggeration. There's a Yahoo photo of this floating around. This is the sort of photo that ends your career, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have to get into a tank. Four people in the audience. And, I mean, you heard a bicycle built for two? This was this was a room built for about 500. There are four people there. Three of whom, I think, work there, and another guy who was just trying to get out of the cold. So, there you go. Well done, Senator Bradback, and goodbye. Then there's some other guy named uh, Congressman Duncan Hunter. Hunter, that's a, he's Ann Coulter's candidate of choice. Well, he wants a fence built along the entire Mexican border. It's now the law that that fence be built. The president signed the bill October 26th. They've only done 17.9 miles. As president, I'll complete all 854 miles in six months. That's my commitment. I'm going to build the fence. It's the law. If only anybody knew who you were. If only you had any tiny chance of becoming elected. Speaking of that, John McCain says we're on the right course in Iraq. Uh-huh, it's working right. because we've got a great general. We've got a it's good great. We're strategy. kicking ass. Anbar province, things have improved. The Maliki government is not doing the things we want it to do. The police are not functioning uh, the way we want them to do, but we are succeeding. Isn't Maliki the guy, the kid who kills everybody in Children of the Corn? He might be. Malachi. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, then we have this guy. He's kind of crazy, but a lot of times he makes sense. And he's from Texas. Ron Paul? Yeah. Uh, Dave Paul. Dave Paul. Dave Ron Paul. Paul. <laughs> I'm Ron Paul, Says, running for president. Uh, these uh, neoconservatives have hijacked the Republican Party's foreign policy. We've dug a hole for ourselves, and we've dug a hole for our party. We're losing elections, and we're going down next year if we don't change it. And it has all to do with foreign policy, and we have to wake up to this fact. No, it's family values. I'm amazed that he has not been taken into a room somewhere and given a very stern talking to mm-hmm. uh, by somebody with a sap. You know what I mean? The Republican Party, I don't understand. Again, I don't care. But, I mean, it seems like they solved their internal squabbles pretty brutally and quickly. I don't understand... They don't allow a lot of dissent in the Republican Party. Democrats, 
There's another reason they can't ever win anything. The Democrats just sit there like a, having a, one big pecking party mm-hmm. and just tearing each other apart and uh, just splitting the vote. Republicans, I mean, you march lockstep or they'll break your legs. I don't understand why that guy hasn't had that happen to him yet. Um, anyway, uh, you know, he won the straw poll, though. Uh, the Michigan straw poll, yeah. I think. So, uh, do we have the audio? We might. All right. Again, we're. You know, it's not even going to be. No, really. It's really not that funny. Anticlimactic. Maybe he'll solo. Maybe he'll do the Cindy Lauper part. They're guiding him away from the podium. Sit, <laughs> Senator Kennedy, sit down. So after all this work, we don't even hear Ted Kennedy sing. I think he's lip Well, that was unsatisfying. Let's take Kennedy around for a while. We'll give him some other time. Uh, Mitt Romney has to speak because we've given everybody else a chance to do so. And allow the states and the elected representatives of the people and the people themselves have the ability to put in place pro-life legislation. And, uh, of course, it's our aspiration that at some point we'll see a nation that doesn't have abortion. I have a shiny metal endoskeleton and a skin-like exterior. <laughs> I have hair like one of the Mad Men. I mean, that's, he's, he's not human. He's, he's really not. He's, yeah, that's exactly what he, you're right. Mm-hmm. If you force-fed Don Draper for about, about five weeks. He is Don Draper. Weeks, yeah, he would be that guy. <gasps> that's tonight, isn't it? Yes, it the is. new Mad Men. God, 10 I o'clock. Show. I love that. You know, that has become my must-see my, my must television show. Um, I mean, it used to be, um, well, I mean, I guess it depends on what time of year it is. I mean, it's you know, when it's The Shield, it's The Shield when that's on. I love The Wire, but that's gone for a while. It was Entourage for a while. You know, but that's, uh, Entourage is okay, but Entourage has become, it's not that it's a bad show. Has it show. reached that point now? N- no, it's just that, um, you know what it is? It's like Entourage was on on Sunday, and I didn't watch it until, I think, Tuesday morning. I got up early and watched it Tuesday morning, because, you know, it's a great show, but it is it is a sitcom, essentially. And, you know, if I, you know, if I miss it or whatever, if I watch it a day or so late, it's not going to, you know. Like, I'm not, every week, I'm not waiting on tenterhooks to see what's happening on Entourage, because nothing on Entourage is really ever that jaw-dropping. It is an enjoyable show, very unchallenging. Um, you know, it delivers no big twists. Nothing on Entourage is ever really jaw-dropping. You don't ever watch it and go like, oh, I can't believe that. I mean, it's just an enjoyable, pleasing, somewhat formulaic program. Mad Men, though, that has become the benchmark by which I set my week. I mean, that is Thursday night, 10 o'clock, I think it is? Yes, it is. Because I always watch it. I, I just turn on the TV later, and it's already TV, but yeah, it's 10 o'clock. Um... Boy, that is just such a great show. Was last, Can I tell you? Let me just... Uh, Please do. Okay. Are you just saying that auto, autonomically? Um, here is how great Mad Men is, and I know Tim will second me on this. Yes. Um, I wrote down... This is another one of my random observations. I'm going to get through all of these by the end of the week. Uh, random observations to myself. And the interesting thing is... I made some random observations about a Mad Men, and I swear to God, completely independently, my friend Patrick emailed me and had made several of the same observations. This is how great they were. Because you know what's great about Mad Men is not just the, we talk about the, the production value and the aesthetic design and the, the color palette, but it's just written so well. I mean, the dialogue on that show. And you know, and it doesn't always have to be like snappy David Mamet, Aaron Sorkin dialogue. It's just great turns of a phrase. 
they had the three greatest phrases, and this is such a nerd thing to say, but the three greatest phrases on Mad Men, which I guess this would have been on the episode that aired the 23rd. Um, three great phrases. There's the phrase where the girl who used to play Zoe Bartlett, she's Peggy, Don Draper's secretary. Because, of course, one of the recurring themes on Mad Men is sexism and how women were treated and viewed in the workplaces. Not just subservient, but, I mean, vastly subhuman. I mean, just inferior. And there's this great episode where the character of Peggy, um, where she comes up with a pretty interesting marketing idea. And she just sort of tosses the idea out. And nobody really expects anything of her on that show because it's 1960 and she's a woman. And so she throws out this great marketing idea. And one of the ad men is talking to another ad man. He is describing how she came up with an interesting business idea. And then he looks at her through the window and he pauses and he shakes his head and he goes, it was like watching a dog play the piano. Which was just the best, the best phrase, that she did something smart. And because she's a woman, he was so not ready for it that it was like a dog playing the piano, which is great. Um, other great exchange, because one of the big things about Mad Men is inter-office sexual politics. Uh, a lot of men flirting with women, groping women, you know, be, really being lecherous in a, in a way that you couldn't now. A lot of um, secretaries sleeping with bosses, bosses sleeping with secretaries, whatever. There's this great moment. That uh, that woman in the office, who Sarah kind of looks like a little, um, although not to be creepy, but I do think you are more attractive than she is. But you do, because uh, that woman is a little odd looking. She has like kind of a weird nose. Who is this she? This big, tall, redheaded girl. Tim, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. She's sort of an office villain. She's I don't villain's the wrong way to put it, but she's um, more like the senior secretary in the office having an affair with the CEO. You're never quite sure whether she's... kind of like a kitty? Yeah, 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 exactly. And you're never quite sure if she's on your side or not. She's very sort of out for herself. Um, you kind of look like her, just a little bit. Um, but there's a great moment where she was watching. This is how great the show is, and I took time to write these phrases down. There's a great moment where she is watching a male co-worker watch another girl. And after the other girl walks away... This woman walks up to the guy and he says, she says, I bet you wish you could pour that into a glass and drink it, which is just the best phrase. Fantastic phrase number three from Mad Men. Don Draper, who is a very buttoned up or buttoned down, depending on how you look at it, uh, Madison Avenue executive, very white collar, very suburban, is in an East Village, like, beatnik hangout um, with his uh, mistress and a mistress's beatnik boyfriend. And the beatnik boyfriend is, of course, giving Don the lecture about how he serves it. You know, he he works for the bourgeois and he serves the man. And how you how can you be part of the advertising military industrial complex? And you're a sellout. And how can you betray your fellow human beings by working in the soulless medium of advertising? I sleep on a bed of money. That's exactly it. That's exactly the phrase. The the beatnik <laughs> the beatnik says to Don Draper. How do you sleep at night? And Don Draper takes a sip of his whiskey, and he looks and he says, on a bed made of money. I mean, it's just so great. I mean, just, that show is wonderful. It Ain't really that America. Is. By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. It is. I mean, and it's, we, you know, we had, um, we have a program director's meeting last night, and we just all, like the four people at the table who watch Mad Men, there were two people at the table who don't, and you know how you've been at those dinners or those, you know, where you're hanging out with people, and immediately it begins, a, the, the majority begin a full court press on the minority. It made, like the four of us who watch Mad Men, immediately it became like a 10-minute hard sell 
to the other two, like, you've got to watch it. And just by the by the time we, the dinner ended last night, it was I think we had just browbeaten these two people, just senseless, uh, lecturing them about how they had to watch Mad Men. So a program director's meeting? Yes. No, we have, it's like, a, I was talking to Sarah, it's a, yes, I'm sorry to tell you, Tim, there are, <laughs> I meant to tell you after the show at 301, Tim, there are, there are changes. Of, no, we, um, no, there is, um, one of the program directors uh, in the building is um, going elsewhere. He's going to be moving on, as they say. So there was like a little, like a get together, goodbye, you know. Yeah, we weren't invited to. Good luck, sort of a thing, a good night and good luck kind of moment. Oh, all right. How special for you. <laughs> I was just busy working my second job. <laughs> How do I sleep? Oysters on the half shell. On a bed made out of money. <laughs> uh, no, and then it was at a sushi place, which was sort of weird because I'm not that's not my deal. And so I was the you want to talk about watching a dog play the piano? Here was me. Just always order teriyaki chicken if you don't know what you're doing. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. I totally did that. No, because I because I don't know. I'm in... Well, there's some things that you don't want to eat in the company of like people you work with. I can't eat salad in front of people that I'm trying to look good but on because I always get salad dressing on my face. And I can't eat sushi because the rolls are too big for my mouth and then I and then I try to bite it in half and it falls and it, everywhere. And it crumbles all over the plate. Well and plus so stick with teriyaki. And, and I am not a big sushi fan. I mean I've tried it, don't really care for it, not my deal. I've given it to you, it's not really my baby. There just a, aren't any good sushi places in your neighborhood. Well sushi just almost seems like a lifestyle these days. Everyone's it, all about it, sushi. That's the thing. And part of the sushi lifestyle. I <laughs> like the Starbucks culture. Um, the and, but no, so and I, you know, and well, look, I said earlier, what am I eating this week? Frozen pizza and Ruffles dip. I mean, that's what I eat when left alone. So we're at a sushi place, um, and and so there's you know they hand me the menu, and it was totally like a cow looking at a dictionary. Just me, just, I don't um, help, you know. And finally, I'm just. And you're looking around. Have you ever done this? You look at a menu, and it's so confusing. And you don't want to look. Nobody likes to look like they're just a And you also don't nick. want to end up with a piece of, like, sushi with a slab of raw fish on the top yeah, of it. Yeah, like, and I don't want to be an ugly, like, I don't know what any of this is. And it so, isn't cooked enough for my taste. It's, this food is just unconscious. And so I looked around, and it's like you look for the thing that's the life preserver. You know what I mean? Teriyaki chicken, yes! Oh, yeah. Yeah, teriyaki chicken. Close. Menu done. Disaster averted. So that's exactly what I did. Um, yeah. So anyway, but we were talking about Mad Men, and there was like two people at the table that did not watch Mad Men, and suddenly it was just like it was really like a pecking party where they, for about ten minutes we nagged them. Really, you've got to watch it. Do it now. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, Mad Men. Blah da blah. On uh, tonight at ten. Tonight at a great show. Really it's great show. Over and over again. Um, did you find a picture of that woman? No, was she the red-haired woman? Yeah, yeah. the red-haired... Like red-haired, blue eyes? I think so. You know, I'm She's terrible. always wearing a red Nancy Reagan dress. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, I don't know why. There's just, there's facially speaking, someone, maybe you both have very... This, and I sound like I'm a Mary Kale person. But not just pale, but kind of a the very cream-colored uh, sort of skin. That but girl? I sound like a Mary Kay girl. Yeah, yeah that's her. That's her. That's not I a could kind of... Let's see... Though. It doesn't. She looks different on the TV. Yeah, though. that's not a good picture of her. She's not in character. It's not very though. flattering. Yeah, that's not. That's not in character. Okay, so I'll find one in character. Um, find one in character, and she, you know, she also wears. She has a lot of very prominent um, makeup that she wears. It's very, you know, very sort of intense sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of do. You make that work. And so anyway, it's a, but it's a great show. Uh, everybody really ought to be watching. Uh, do try to catch it. Uh, I don't know who these people are. Hi, and then why is Scotty nagging me about playing a Head East song? Really, for the love of Jehoshaphat, whoever he is. We'll, we'll let him play it when you're on vacation. Great idea. Let, get, Scotty, please, bottle Scotty all these all ideas. Bodies, bottle all these ideas up, Scotty, and do Wait. these while I'm gone. 
Wait, you only have five shows left after today, and I have six, because you're going to be gone on Friday, right, next Friday? Yeah. Are you not gone Friday? No, I've used all my vacation days. So okay. You're going to do a show with Scotty. Lucky you. You're, gonna, you're not going to be here? Oh, no, I'm going to be here. <laughs> okay, no, 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 I'm glad you told me that, because I have to talk to Kristen, then, because I thought that she was in, I thought you were gone next Friday. No, sir. Yeah, I'm I saving am... my, the rest of my days for the holidays. I, uh, my last uh, live show is a week from today, mm-hmm. through next Thursday. Started, I will be gone next Friday through the following Friday. I'll yeah, be back. Yeah, I'm here on Friday. Okay. All right. I don't so, play yeah, yeah, I'm that night. Gone. Yeah, so Scotty, you should bottle up all these great ideas and do all these while I'm gone. Are we doing a best of on Friday? It'd be fantastic. We're we're doing next, best next Friday? Friday? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to hack together some best ofs. Uh, you know, Tim will do live news breaks. You can banter. I'm going to try to call every now and again, uh, you know, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, so-called best of, alleged best ofs. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, whoever this might be. Is this me? It is. You know, people ask it that question. Like hey, <laughs> hey, you're on the speakerphone. You know, thank God for speakerphones, or I'd have had to go somewhere else a long time ago. <laughs> There's no need to be defensive. I'm just saying, the question "Is this me?" is great because it does sound like a like a thing that you would ask while sitting cross-legged up in Tibet. You know, while pan flute music played. Master, is this me? And then he would say, like, "It is only you when it is no longer you." Yeah. Can you snatch the remote control from Laurie Anderson's hand? Laurie Anderson. Okay, what? How can I help you, sir? Um, I think I've solved your uh, tidy little joke problem for uh, Larry Craig. Oh yes, we. Uh, Lisa Goddard has asked us to assemble a setup and punchline joke about Larry Craig. The only rule is it must contain the word Craigslist. Yeah. Go. Okay. So you casually, you know, drive the conversation towards uh, what do you call two right taps and some left-handed action within a virtual tube of, or within a virtual series of tubes. I don't. Oh, oh, damn! I don't know what. Larry Craig's list list to the left with a reach around. How long did you wait to tell us this joke? And how long did you, did it take you to construct it? Uh, construction took about five minutes. Really? Yeah, but I've been playing with Photoshop for the past forty-five. <laughs> Have you been doing something exciting in Photoshop? Um, just making up slides for a project I'm applying for. Is this a sexy project? Oh no, not at all. Oh, well, that's less interesting then. Um, yeah, well, that we'll get that up. That get a one. You get a one wall. A one one. That's that's uh, you know that's moderately amusing. Come on, Larry Craig's list to the left with a reach around. The list to the left is good. I mean, I'll give you the list to the left. That's that's not bad. I will give you that's the, that's the bright spot in that joke. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for calling. Good day. <laughs> you sound so dispirited, so disheartened. Oh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey. Hey. Um, hey, man. I just heard you call about sushi. Or I, I, I just heard the the thing about sushi, and uh, I just figured I'd call because one suggestion for sushi, and it's my favorite kind, is unagi. Unagi is eel. And I know it sounds weird, you know, a big snake-like fish from the depths of the ocean, one of the more terrifying ones, but seriously, eel is one of my absolute favorites. It tastes absolutely absolutely delicious. Sometimes it tastes kind of ha- like it has a, a barbecue kind of flavor to it because of the kind of sauce they put on it. And uh, also, where did you eat sushi at? Was it at Saburo's? No. Let me first of all let me ask you this: Were you either a in a drama class or a debate class? Nope. Really? Nope. Do you read? Um, do you read? Any, let me ask you this: Do you read? Um, do you read books by Ayn Rand? 
Never heard of Ayn Rand. Okay, never mind. You just your speaking style. You sound like a lot of guys I, uh, you know, that I, were, that I went to school with who had very distinct sort of behavior patterns. Um, oh yeah. We went to a place called uh, Dragonfish. Oh, Dragonfish. That's up. I in, think it's uh, in the Paramount. Is it in the Paramount? Is that where it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been there. Yeah. It's up in Seattle, isn't it? It's right downtown. No, it's up in... Well, there's one downtown. Maybe a chain, but there's one downtown. Yeah, it's right at the bottom of the um, hotel where that guy jumped off the top of it. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I believe it is in the in the lounge area of the Paramount Hotel downtown. It's, like, oh, it's okay. Kitty Corner from Fox Star. Yeah. I mean, it was a good place. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's sushi's just not for me. Uh, yeah. But the food I did get was really, really great, actually, in the, you know, so... Well, because there's a number of great Japanese places in Portland. Uh, there's a very traditional one called... Uh, Bush Garden, which is set up like an actual a Japanese right. room where right. you would go in. And uh, then there's another one called Koji Osakaya. Like, well, a better pronunciation would be yeah. Koji Osakaya if you're not very good at Japanese. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been studying for five years, but that's another really good place. They have pretty reasonable prices. And there's a lot of stuff there where you're like, uh, I don't know. Hey, it's a bowl of noodles. I know what noodles are. I'll yes. order that. Let me ask you this. How long have you been studying Asian culture, sir? Did you say five years? Um, I've been studying Japanese for five years f- through high school. I'm trying to figure out. This is We're just sort of taking a sharp left turn here. Um, but I'm trying to figure out. I have this whole theory about, um, I, I, you know, I, I've kind of called them um, interest or, or lifestyle clusters, which is, it's a theory that I've sort of been working on in my head for a while, and it's sort of like a demographic study kind of thing, where if someone is into blank, you know they are also into blank and blank. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. If somebody is into Monty Python, you know that they are into Weird Al Yankovic. It just goes without – it is understood. If somebody is into um, uh, if somebody is into The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they have probably gone to a comic convention and maybe a Ren Faire. I mean, yeah, you just yeah. know. You just understand it. Um, so my thing is, I'm trying to figure out, if somebody is into Japanese culture, they are also probably into what? Um, well, if you go onto the nerd side, usually it's video gaming. But uh, Do you play yeah. World of Warcraft? Yes, I do, actually. Okay, there we go. See, I, I, knew if I'd, I knew I'd be able to feel my way through it eventually. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Interesting. All right, thank you, my friend. You call us anytime, sir. All righty. All right, there you go. He did have... I can't ever really define it, but he did have a certain speaking style. There was just something about the way he talked. I'm not trying to knock him. I'm just saying there was a, the way he talked, an inflection that sounded like some guys I went to school with who did have very specific... You know what? Here's another one. If I'll give you... Here's an, another example. If you're a big Star Trek fan, you probably listen to Dr. Demento, too. I mean, that's just, it's, just, it's, just, that, it's just a fact. Just no getting around it. It's just the way it is. Uh, let's do two more of these, then we've got a break. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Hello, Rick. Hello, sir. Uh, I held just because I didn't want to be rude and hang up, but the, uh, the prior, prior uh, Craigslist joke guy kind of went along the same lines that I was thinking, only I wasn't going with two taps to the left, although that was pretty funny, I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. Which way does Craigslist He's Republican, so to the right. Which way does Craig list to the to the right? Okay, there's something there. There's something there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Final call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 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 Yeah. The, uh, this is uh, Bob. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm great. Okay. Good. Now. Okay. Uh, say, say this. List. Say this for me, Bob. Say this. Say you're listening to Mellow ninety two three. 
listening to Mellow 92.3. See, you could totally be like one of those quiet storm guys. You could totally do, or that thing that Kink does late at night where they just play the sound of a vacuum cleaner running or whatever it is for like seven <laughs> hours. What is this? Well, it's a bug zapper with a whale song over the top of it, and uh, it's not for people to get high to. And then, and then it just runs all night. You could totally do Say this. Say, say, say one more. Say, um, from the kingdom of Nye, this is the Art Bell Show. Wow. From the kingdom of Nye, this is the Art Bell Show. Right, you get to see, you, you get to work, you kind of whip that voice into shape. You could probably be a voice guy, sir. Okay, dokie. <laughs> all right, kind of freaking me out now. What's up? Uh, Craigslist. Yeah. Uh, you know what You know what? Uh, the number one question on Craigslist? list is, don't you? No. Uh, during the Big Bang, was your anus hurt? It's funny. I'm sorry. Sarah's telling me I shouldn't have laughed. Sorry. Sarah, Sarah gave me the, did you really just laugh at that look? And the answer was yes. Yes, I did. That's funny, sir. Thank you. All right. All right. A real stretch to tie it into Craig's list, but that is funny. I just didn't see it coming. You know what? I'm, 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 I have a penis. I find that I find any joke involving the planet Uranus to be funny. I know. That's a boy thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. All right. <sighs> okay. Uh, I, I lied. We'll do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Peter. What's up? Uh, so I, it's kind of out of the blue, but I wanted to recommend a movie to you that I just saw that I think you would absolutely love. It's called Reefer Madness. Yeah, Reefer Madness. Did you see the version with the new Mike Nelson commentary? Uh, I'm not sure. I just saw the, uh, and it's got, it's got Alan Cummings in it, uh, and Nev Campbell. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so you're not talking about the original Reefer Madness. No, 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 no. This is, this is like a, a, a musical remake of it. It's unbelievable. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna Google this right now. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't have condescended to you and assumed you were talking about the original, because they just put out the original Reefer Madness from the 30s, but it's got this alternate commentary track from Mike Nelson, who was one of the Mystery Science Theater. It's basically a Mystery Science Theater treatment of so Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. They have the they have the original uh, Reaper Madness movie on like a special feature of this, uh -huh. but it is unbelievable. It's like a, you know, like the musical episode of Buffy. Yeah, I'm looking at here Reaper Madness, the movie musical. It is it is so unbelievably good. I, I seriously was laughing my ass off the entire time. All right, hold on, I'm looking here. Uh, let's see. It stars Kristen Bell, Christian Campbell, Nev Campbell, Alan Cumming. Um, uh, and a bunch of other people, Stephen Weber. Um, so, did you get this on? You got this on DVD? Yeah, seriously, put that on your to-do list immediately. Reefer Madness, the movie musical, done and done. Good. And uh, people at the Asian studies? Yes. Tentacle porn. Ten <laughs> totally. No, completely. <laughs> Sailor Moon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Tentacle porn. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. All right. I was going to ask him if he'd sent away for a wife at some point. That was going to be my other question to that guy. Not the guy who just called, but the Asian studies guy. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Um, well, it's like 120. We're in that awkward stage now where I've just... I... Well, we missed a break, so we have a you know, oh, so we have a break, break to make up. Did yeah. I have something short that I was going to do here? I had this thing about the Rambo trailer, but I, I don't have time to get to that. Well, let me just... Uh... All right, I got nothing. Should we take a break? Let's do it. Let's take a break. We come back, we'll talk about a bad way to die. Right there. More from... Okay. More from Tim Riley. Later on, the top five songs from February 4th, 1989. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere.
That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. Walk the new run. I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins. But look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls will pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. A ball is what I'm about. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all going to run. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket from Milton Bradley. Honey, you told me tonight I could see Mr. Bucket. All right. Really no, uh, I have no response to that. I wonder, when did that, when is that toy from? When did that commercial air? 80s, 90s? I think it was early, maybe when I was like 10, maybe like 90, 91. I mean, late enough in human history that the guy who was singing that probably had to do with a couple dozen takes. You know, because he probably kept blowing it. All right. Oh, well. Ha, ha. Oh, yeah. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Okay, here's another random observation. This is mine. This is... Oh, wait, no. Where did it go? Here we go. Here's another random observation I wrote down, and then we'll join Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Where do spiders go at night? They're out spinning their web. What? They are out spinning their wings. I'm not sure that that's true. Especially, I see it every morning on the gate in front of my house. Okay, but, uh, but, but maybe like not in maybe in southeast we have a different breed of spiders, perhaps because we have we, suburban spiders. There are, you have well-behaved spiders. Um, spiders that know their. Good ones just crawl over your face while you sleep. Yeah, seriously, in southeast they just come right for your throat. Uh, they don't even wait for you to go to bed. They just leap off the floor while you're sitting on the sofa. Just go right for you. Uh, but in in my uh, yard, you know, I got all these. I don't really have a front lawn, but I have all these shrubs, and there are these big ass. I mean, they're pretty impressive. Like, I don't go out with a broom and get rid of them because, in a way, I sort of admire spiders because they're very sort of industrious. And that web spinning thing is pretty cool that they can just make these huge, complex webs. I mean, it, it, I know that it's, you know, it's like inborn in them, like it's in their genes or the DNA or whatever the hell spiders have. But I mean, it's, you know, but it's still pretty impressive. Like, I couldn't do it. Um, so, um,. I can't even put a button back on my shirt. So I do find the spider web thing kind of interesting, but there are these three or four big spider webs in our front yard by our shrubs, and they're the spiders. You know, they sit right in the middle, and they, you know, whatever. They wait for some unfortunate sap of a mosquito to come right in. But then I'll go out in the evening to walk my dog, and the spiders are nowhere to be seen. They're gone. And my question is, like, where do they – they're not – they're in the web during the day, but at night the spiders are not in the web. And I, I'm assuming they're you not – You know out, where they are. Not carousing on Hawthorne. What? They're at a speakeasy. You know where they are. <laughs> Yes, they're like an underground pub. Literally an underground pub. Yeah. Uh, you know they're they, in your bed. Thanks. I'm in, I'm in your bed, biting your flesh. A little uh, lol spider there. Oh. It's Tim Riley, the Minister of Truth. Ridiculous show. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Somebody grabbed out the body of a dead man on the doorstep of Adventist Hospital, and nobody misses it. Apparently, this happened after 8 o'clock on the night of August 30th. This dead person has gray collar-length hair, blue and gray eyes, and unkempt beard. He was wearing blue shorts and a plaid shirt. Speaking of an unkempt beard, apparently the mayor has grown one. Uh, mayor Potter went on vacation and grew a beard and is determined to keep it. Oh, is that the Al Gore? He's trying to look tough thing? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Whatever. Uh, 63-year-old Corvallis man has been arrested after his neighbor was stabbed several times with an ice pick. Michael Boscola arrested on suspicion of assault. 
It happened in a common kitchen area of the apartment complex where they live. Uh, both Boz Cola and his neighbor, Buzz Cola? Taken hospital. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was uh, pushed by the other man. They started arguing. Buzz Cola retaliated by stabbing the other man in the torso with an ice pick. <laughs> the fight continued, and more uh, stab wounds were evident. Uh, Rick, where can I find the wonderful Mr. Bucket game from my childhood? Answer Craigslist. Now, see, that's I appreciate the effort. That's just not it's not all. Oh. That was, was a miscalculation. Was, no, I picked a different one, and they took out the Mr. Bucket audio. Uh, that was a little mm-hmm. comedy failing right there is what that was. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. Uh, what was I going to say about the ice pick? Does it, hey, let me ask you this. We were talking earlier in the show about how to dispose of a dead body mm-hmm. and uh, how best to do that. Not yeah. that we advocate that behavior. Here's another question along the same lines. I'm not saying it doesn't do damage, but I'm saying, do you suppose it does a lot of damage if you stab somebody with an ice pick? Not because it's very small. It's no, it gets very, bigger, though. It all depends on how big the ice pick is. I'm saying, but I'm, no, but a regular ice pick, where it's a standard size, the pick itself oh. is a standard size. It doesn't, it doesn't widen out as it gets towards the top. That would make it like a knife or something. Mm-hmm. The, an ice pick where it is like, it's just like, a, it's like a nail, basically. It's like a very long, sharp nail with a handle. I'm not saying it wouldn't damage you. Clearly, it would. But it seems like an ice pick wouldn't do that much damage to you because it's a very uh, confined area. That it would damage. It's a very small but deep wound. It would hurt a lot because it's a puncture wound. But I can't imagine it would do that much damage to you unless you did what that guy in the, that guy in that book, Contract Killer, where you just you know write into somebody's ear. I think there was a guy that used to. There's a guy who wrote this book called Contract Killer, and he was a hitman in Chicago. Yeah. And that was his thing: is he would like sidle up beside you, just ice pick in the ear. But I think otherwise, rest of the body probably not going to do that much harm. No. Nope. Why not get stabbed with an ice pick today, <laughs> Mister Ice Pick? Here's Tim Riley. Now you can watch comic books on your cell phone. For four ninety nine a month for Verizon, or for three ninety nine from AT and T and Sprint, you can view nearly a dozen traditional comic books. There is even a separate uh, subscription service to Japanese comics called Manja. The comic books range from uh, some uh, well known names like Bone and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to up and coming comics such as the Crime Noirish Umbra. And the Hindu folklore-inspired Debbie. You have no idea what you're talking about. It's for the kids. <laughs> okay. So you can read comic books on your phone? Yes. Well, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't seem... I think that is a generational thing, because I can't see myself... You know, it's like i got friends of mine that read books on their, like, handheld, like on their Palm or on their Blackberry or whatever. Like, they'll download some book from the Internet, like Harry Potter or whatever, and then they'll, like, when they're on the Macs, they'll read it on their phone. And I just can't fathom that. There's no way. I think that is an age thing. That is a gener, not even an age thing, but a generational thing. Right. I think Eddie that and Veronica should be held with your hand. Yeah, it's, it's a tactile, so to speak. It's a tactile experience. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't think I could. I've tried to read books on like my Motorola, my Q, and it just doesn't. Uh, I can't. I can't get into that. It doesn't really work. Oh wait, somebody knows where the spiders go. Mm. What? Do you, hold on. Before we even talk. Sir, before even somebody, what do we think the odds are that this is a real call as opposed to a guy saying they're in your butt, you know, or something like that? <laughs> what is it? What? Where do the spiders go, sir? The spiders are—they always maintain one point of contact on the web, so you'll see them like tucked back in the corner somewhere. But one of their legs are always on the web, so that when they feel uh, prey into the web, it makes vibration into the web, and then they lunge on them and inject them with poison and eat them. Well, there you go. So that's an actual oh, real answer. Man. So they're just lurking. Re- they're lurking down in the corner, but with, with one toe in the water, so to speak. Either that or they're in your butt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. All right, there you go. Okay, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about this. The Maryland family lucky to be alive today after a frightening confrontation with a rabid bear. Uh, Charlotte Stanton of Maryland sent the animal tribe with all its might to get inside 
It even tried to rip out an air conditioning unit that was five feet oh, above the oh, ground. This Jesus. is undetermined bear. How terrifying would that be? Well, it gets even worse. Charlotte played tug of war with the bear over and over to stop the animal from entering the house through that air conditioning unit. I'm standing there holding against the door, and the next thing you know, my air conditioner goes sliding out the window. And so I lunge for my air conditioner, and I grab onto it, and I'm holding it, and the bear's pulling it one way, and I'm pulling it the other way. Uh, oh. Why, why was the bear doing this? I mean... Was it just bored, or... What a great promotion for an air conditioner. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Charlotte's husband then shot the bear through the air conditioner. There was like an inch crack beside the air conditioner that we was able to get the gun barrel out. So he shoved the gun barrel out, and I think the bear tried to actually reach for the gun barrel. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of Darwin in action, though, right there, where the bear has a lot of skills, but recognizing a gun is not one of them. Yeah. I'll just reach for this and wrap my mouth around it. That's That's wonderful. Excellent. So uh, getting back to this Republican debate, here's another uh, candidate nobody's ever heard of, Tom Trujillo. I have no idea who that is. He's uh, from Colorado. He said the president, oh, as president, he would not be, ah. he would not be afraid to use enhanced interrogation techniques like we're not using them now. I would do what is necessary to protect this country. That is the ultimate responsibility of the president of the United States. All of the other things that we do, all of the other things, all of the other powers vested in him are pale in comparison to its, his responsibility to keep these, the people of this country safe. He sounds like he's a Boy Scout. He sounds like he's about 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're never going to be elected to anything, whoever you are. It's not going to happen. Move on. And uh, somebody used to sing died. Oh, is this a snuff watch? Yeah. All right. We'll close it with a snuff watch. Here's All right. one of the great voices of opera, Fallen Silent, Luciano Pavarotti, died at the age of 71. I don't mean to sound, uh, whatever, out of touch, but do people really listen to opera? They you must. know, a lot of people don't hear these things to keep this. <laughs> yeah. Serial killers did. Uh, the... But I mean, really, while they're cutting somebody up and dressing uh -huh. as their mother, do you, I Seriously, mean... if you're going to cut somebody up, what else would you listen to besides opera? Pavarotti. Ah, uh, what would I... Here's today's high concept. What would you listen to while cutting up a body in your home? It's not real. Don't call. The I don't I don't really know. I guess you're right. It would have to be opera, or while you're Tom Hanks, uh, just brazenly trying to win yourself an Academy Award, you listen to opera during that too. Uh, but, but enough people pay for this stuff to keep it going. They have big theaters. They keep going, and they have uh, I think annual subscriptions. Opera is a thing that people go to see because they feel like they're supposed to enjoy it. Yep, I completely agree. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, and I'm not trying to sound like some you know, Johnny Blue Collar or whatever. I just don't, don't want to be that guy. No, I'm just, I don't, I think that there are things that, you know, humanity goes through different evolutions and different cycles, and there are music that is, there's music that is popular at a certain point in human evolution, and then humans gradually move on to a different form of music. And over the last X hundred years, we have gradually moved from that. We have moved towards a more, one might say, streamlined, or what we would commonly today call a more pop-oriented form of music that most especially Western cultures, uh, that is the primary type of music that we are interested in as a culture. I, I think people go to see opera. I think it's very telling that, you know, that the people who go to see opera are always people of a certain cultural and economic strata. 
Um, well, they want to use their opera glasses. Well, that's the thing. They want to, and they want to be able to put the bumper sticker on their on their. Uh, you, how many they have bumper stickers? Oh, oh, but you know who does though is that how many how sick are you of seeing that bumper sticker in Portland? Nights of Passion, No Regrets in the Morning, Portland Classical Symphony. I've never seen that. Who cares? Seriously, just keep it to yourself. I've never seen those. I see it everywhere. It's a is it in your neighborhood. It is a purple bumper sticker, and it's supposed to be racy, I guess, because it says Nights of Passion. Period. No regrets in the morning, period. Portland Symphony, blah, blah, blah. And it's like something to go see the Portland Symphony. Seriously, and it's like, just shut it, okay, Chester? I mean, no one cares. So, the, I, Are you tempted to tear that off the bumper? I'm tempted to repeatedly ram that car with whatever with I'm driving. With a nice pick. I like opera in musicals, like in Phantom of the Opera. If it's in context, mm-hmm. if there is a reason or a point for it. Um, but just the idea, and I won't say who, but someone we used to work with. Wait, I'll write down the person's name. I hate to do this to the audience, but I want you guys at least here to know who I'm talking about. It was this person. Okay. Just used to constantly go on about Pavarotti especially. You know, Pavarotti is one of the great... That you person, know, really? Serious, but, but you know why? Because it was an affectation. It was an... A- and I'm not trying to be con- you know, contrary about this or because he's dead and whatever. In that fact, person is dead? No. Oh. No, amazingly <laughs> enough, no. Um, the... Um, but used to constantly go on, and I totally believe it was a contrivance. It was a lifestyle affectation to knowledgeably talk about Pavarotti because it was a thing that you were that you were supposed to. It was a mark of like culture. It was snobbery. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was a thing you were supposed to know all about. Yet you're eating candy bars with a wrapper on them at the same time. Do we do we believe that? Okay, mm. we'll believe that. I'm gonna believe that, Tim. All right. I'm sorry. Tim got bleeped. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. I one. It was it was the time that I went a little bit too far. That's one. <laughs> Has he gone too far? That's one. That's one too many. Uh, details. We would know who that would be. That's one too many. Uh, too many sentences the, about the what. Folks at the opera house would know to whom we were addressing. <laughs> that's. We don't want to. That's one too many identifying sentences about deep throat. Um, the uh, I apologize. Anyway, so I just, but I think it's a thing that I mean, if you legitimately like it, fine, great for you. But I think the majority of people don't. I think it's a thing people name check and they reference, and sometimes, as we've seen, pay a lot of money to go see it because they feel like they're supposed to, uh, and it's a thing that is it's that it's what smart people do. So I better go. Um, all right. Uh, all right. Well, he's dead. So. Whatever. And he weighed like 500 pounds. He's dead. Big freaking deal. Get over And he lived a long time with all that girth. I was going to say, are you amazed that he didn't die before this? Yes, we all are. So, whatever. Apparently, he worked to entourage. He had his own entourage. uh And it's the generation of opera stars. And an endless procession of hot girls that dated him, by the way. Like hot, skinny, 20-year-old girls that he worked Wow, he has a four-year-old daughter. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Imagine having sex with Luciano Pavarotti. Oh, jeez. You know. That's wrong. What if he was that guy who works the drive-thru? <laughs> there you go. There's. Uh, remember the other day we were doing Paul Harvey as? There's your other. There's That's today's morning hack radio bit that somebody out there can use. What if Luciano Pavarotti worked at a drive Well, I guess it wouldn't work now. It would just be. But, I mean, in theory, when he was alive, if he worked at the drive-thru. That's funny. If you're a moron. There you go. He's dead. The other answer to this is at night, the spiders crawl into the pants you wore earlier in the day and are now on the floor of your bedroom. There you go, Sarah. All right. uh, Here's Tim Riley. 
Well, it's time to do something about this popcorn that kills. And it's not even from China. So, uh, getting back to the story yesterday, one of North America's largest packaged food companies has announced they are changing the way they make microwave popcorn in response to the health warnings about the risk to factory workers and consumers who inhale popcorn fumes. ConAgra spokesman Stephanie Child says their popcorn will no longer contain diacetyl. Uh, the company does not believe it creates a health risk to customers, but it is phasing it out over the next years because of potential safety hazards to its plant workers. Diacetyl has been linked to a condition known as popcorn lung, which kills. It causes a form of lung fibrosis yeah. or scarring that uh, can be quite severe, actually. Well, That's from Dr. Susanna Von Hessen. She's not from the Cleveland Clinic. Oh, She's from the Nebraska Medical Center. She has a writing crop, though. I'll guarantee it. Rick, I went to the State Fair this weekend, and they had a more synthed-out uh, synth version of your popcorn music at a square dancing event. <laughs> Just surreal. By the way, why do you either have to be under 8 or over 60 to square dance? Just a question. That's Christopher. Christopher. Uh, let's see. Also this. Rick. Oh, you know, we were talking about that thing you never see. Because I was saying, you know, you never see blank. You never see the guy who puts the leaflets under your windshield wiper. This guy says, you never see baby pigeons. That's true. I think other people have talked about that. But, yeah, you never see baby pigeons. Only the full-grown kind. Who would be looking for them? Who would be looking for them? Certainly not I. Mm. Uh, all right. Brad Pitt still has a deep friendship for his ex-wife, Jennifer Aniston. Uh -huh. He tells V Magazine that before the paradise there split in January 2005, quote, the most important thing about that time was for Jen and me to figure it out. How do I put it? If we didn't want to go on without any outside influence. He said they also liked each other. But that's, where do we get off, he said. Uh, we've taken it this far, and where do we want to go? This is a very badly written story. I guess you want to buy a magazine. I was just going to say, None of this doesn't make any to sense. And I'm reading these as they're written. <laughs> adding, we're supposed to assemble our own story. Adding... Those questions had to be answered because <laughs> before an attraction to Angie could be answered. Brad Pitt shouldn't be allowed to speak directly to people <laughs> anymore. True. The actor is now with uh, partner Angelina Jolie, his co-star on the 2005 film Me and Mrs. Smith. They have three adopted children and one biological daughter together. Pitt next <laughs> appears in the next big yes. screen film, The Assassination of Jesse James, due out September 21st. Uh, by the way, I'm sticking a fork in this right now, the, this business of shortening that film's title, because that's right. I'm not blaming you, Tim, but I'm saying the media has already started shortening that film's title, and it's a great title that they have started to truncate now. The, um, the official title of that film, and I hope I get it right here, it is... The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, which is a great title. That just, that's way too long. Sounds, well, I know, but that's the whole thing. The tiny American brain can't hold it all. So they've started to do it, you know, pretty soon it'll just be, you know, it'll just be, and that'll be it. That'll hold just a bunch of sounds. Um, yeah, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, starring um, Casey Affleck. And when, who ever thought that Casey Affleck would start to become the more successful and recognizable Affleck brother? Well, How sad. Who's a Casey Affleck? He was in that uh, hideous movie with uh, Matt Damon where they wandered around the desert for like five hours. He was in Ocean's Yeah. 11. Oh, I remember that movie, yeah. 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 The, the one, the Gus Van Sant film, or a guy who wanted to be Gus Van Sant. And it's like, what's this? Well, Casey Affleck and Bat Matt Damon will wander around the desert for two hours with no script. The end. And then somebody will call I it I thought genius. that was the Matthew McConaughey film. No, that's, uh, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what you're It was in Africa. To. Wandering around the desert aimlessly, with no water, and perfect teeth. 
That's the IMDb description. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, when ice picking someone, this email says you go for the kidneys and then they bleed to death internally. Son, Sean. Thanks for the tip. He actually says, have fun, Sean. Uh, before we do the top five, here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll do this little thing here. Then we'll do the top five. Then the next hour, Peter Carlin will join us. Uh, here's an interesting email. This email says, says, uh, this is from, let's see. I don't even know if this is from. I uh, doesn't want to open here. Rick, here's a one-minute funk breakbeat I cut together with samples from the Labor Day show. Maybe it's crap, but it makes me laugh. Do we want to hear this or not? I love crap. Absolutely. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. This doesn't In sound the like beginning, the Rick Emerson Show was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. Fatu. Have you gone completely utterly mad? I picked a hell of a day to quit drinking. Very Really, there's been nothing from me here. I heard you say Rick Emerson show. Yeah, it's just been the day the Earth stood still, Entourage, and then Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The Rick Emerson show. Why are you so weird? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Shut the hell up. I'm not here for cigarettes or bubblegum, my boy. The Rick Emerson Show. This was extraordinarily bad. Yep. Okay, I have to just say that at no point, this is completely falsely so labeled. <laughs> this is a, this is me just saying the Rick Emerson Show. three words from you saying from the show. And then the rest has just been like, uh, I just heard the last Starfighter. How much is that? Ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir, I've never We're been halfway in a you ever seen a grown man naked? Gonads are useful for their purpose, but they are no substitute for brains. Sorry. That's exactly what we were talking about the other day. Oh, that's wonderful. Sorry, I was giving myself an oil job. Oh, that's not right. That is correct, sir. Doesn't get much gayer than this. Why, thank you, Tinkle Fairy. The Rick Emerson Show. Oh, whatever, dude. Oh, this is just gay. Why, thank you, Tinkle Fairy. The Rick Emerson there's, Show. There's really, I mean, look. Are these things that we talked about on the Labor Day Show? I don't really know the No, because we didn't do, no. I'm sorry I missed it. <laughs> we didn't do any. The The good thing here is the uh, the gonads bit there. I didn't really ever think I'd say that. The, um, the gonads part was really interesting. Oh, speaking of which, just before we do the top five, speaking, speaking of gonads, um... Let's see, where somebody sent me... Oh, have you seen that uh, the thing that's going around? It's uh, a, a series of photos of Britney. Um, like, it's one photo every year for the last ten years. It's like like one of those faces of meth things. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, let me just say, let me just somebody... See if I can get this to play here. Uh, because we just heard this in context. I think somebody... I think I've got this out of context now. And... Gonad for their purpose, but wait. Gonad for their purpose, oh, but they skips. are no substitute for brains. Oh, that's too bad. That's it, I, I don't have it out of context. That um, that's that Paul Harvey clip that we were talking about, where he says gonads for some reason, and it's like what from what what would the possible what story could he possibly have been doing that he would have ever uttered the phrase gonads are useful for their purpose, but they are no substitute for brains. Like what would Paul Harvey have been talking about that that would have even happened? Uh, all right. Uh, before we do, well, should we do the top five here, Sarah? George, should we break? Let's break. All right. We'll come back. 
Peter Carlin at the top. More of your phone calls. Uh, there's people on hold here. We'll get to those. Um, let's see. Tim Riley coming up. More news. Uh, top five songs from February 4th, 1989. For no reason. Stay there. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tell you to. Wait, it starts with children laughing. That's fine, the and I'll t- I'll give you the cutoff point. Okay. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. Walk the new run. I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins. But look. He's gay. I mean, no, it doesn't really oh, work. Oh, you I tried to theory. No. You know what's hard is when we're sitting across the room from each other, <laughs> can't speak because we have open microphones and simultaneously trying to have the same thoughts. I was trying to make that work. It doesn't work. Simply. No, it doesn't. That's okay. You can't blame can't blame a guy for a... Uh, you can't blame a guy for a... Uh, <laughs> That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Oh, Mount Everest. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. Walk the new room. I'm Mr. Bucket. Bucket. Wait. James, Mr. Bucket, the first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins, but look out! But he's gay. I mean... Mr. Bucket, the balls are fired on my back. I'm Mr. Bucket. A ball is one on my back. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all gonna run. I'm Mr. Bucket. <laughs> Mr. Bucket from Milton. Okay, we have to stop. <laughs> we are the dumbest people alive. What is wrong? <laughs> all right. Uh, it's five. Oh, and Peter Carlin, of course, spent a whole hearing the entire thing. That's oh. wonderful. Fantastic. Well, he Excellent. thinks we're idiots anyway. No, it's it really it really is true, Sarah. <laughs> There's a true words. Wait, let me close this. Or I'm never going to be able to get this to play. Uh, it's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why? Hello, and uh, howdy. Hold on a second. Why can't I get this to? Uh, it doesn't want to open. It just doesn't at all. All right. One second. I apologize. I know this is really gripping. Well, it really come, it came back strong. <laughs> All right. All right. There's Peter Carlin on hold who probably thinks we're immature. Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. All right. It's 503-7. All for that you one second You should test his mood before you play that. I don't want him to hang up. Uh, 
Hi, uh, Peter Carlin, a TV critic for the Oregonian, now joining us on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Yeah, hey, that's a, what you'll be hearing next is a dial tone. <laughs> that's me whacking the phone down into the cradle. Yeah. Uh, how's life, Peter? How are things? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? <laughs> you were, uh, pardon me, you were on vacation. Where, where'd you? You were on vacation in Belize last time. Yeah. Now, were you on vacation again? I was. Why? Forgive the question. Why not just take one long vacation? Because I don't roll like that. I'm sorry. Did I tell you this? That I, that, that, was it you that told me or did I tell you or neither of the above that, that the slogan of that country is, you'll have to see it to Belize it? <laughs> then you'll be whacking it against your desk. <laughs> see, that's, that's fantastic. Did you like that? Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. Fantastic. Uh, well, <laughs> long time no talk, my friend. I'm delighted to be back. This is a radio station run and staffed by children, incidentally, in case you were curious about that. That's a charm. Yeah. All right. Did you hear the Mr. Bucket commercial? Yeah, what, what is that? Okay, now this is, I had never heard, before we play this. I, this is from my childhood. I had never uh, seen this commercial. Uh, and in fact, I still haven't actually watched it. I'll go around to the counter where she's playing it. This is an, a television ad for a children's toy from Mattel yeah. called Mr. Bucket, where the goal is to get the balls into Mr. Bucket's head, and then the balls pop out of his mouth. But try and get all the balls into his head. Before they pop out before of he mouth. pops the balls out of his mouth. Why does he want to do that? It's a child's He's game. He's from Idaho. Mr. Bucket. We went two different ways with that. Um, it's, for, it's for the children, Peter, like, like it always is. It's always for the children. So I had never seen this, but this is an unaltered commercial. This is simply the audio of okay. an unedited television commercial. Go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all gonna run. I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls into Mr. Bucket wins, but look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The ball is what I'm about. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all gonna run. I'm Mr. Bucket. Come on. From I, I... How great is that? Come on. I can't even be having this conversation. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's, and that uh, is a real children's it is a real had a Mr. Bucket. Yeah, it is a... Uh, it is. I don't, I'm not even going to ask follow-up <laughs> yeah, questions. Don't do that. Um, so there you go. That's a, uh, it's a children's product for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. We've been having a lot of fun with things like that this week. We've had... Have you seen... Oh, uh, no, see, now I just now I just want to sit and just play all of this crap that we've just been well, tormented with. Peter Carlin is with. our TV guy. That is, sir, you are our TV critic. Have you seen the the, uh, the the clip of the television anchor person? I believe she's in Colorado. She's trying to talk about a guy who's climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. And And the hook is, the hook of the story is that he climbed Mount Everest, but he is blind. That's the hook. She's trying to set up the fact, like, when we come back, we'll talk to an adventurous climber. He just summited Mount Everest, but he's blind. That's what she's trying to say. Listen to how this comes out, though. Okay. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. That's a lawsuit. <laughs> right there. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, it's funny in like a hundred different ways. A, the expression of her of her male co-host is, is priceless. B, is what did he say? I didn't. Oh, you mean the expression on his face? Yeah, and then it, and B, when she tries to correct herself and just says "gay" again, and then when she actually like it almost would have been better if she had just said "da da da,", da but he's gay, and then just plunge on ahead and be done with it and hope no one notices. But then when you correct it by saying "no,", no, no I mean blind. You know, it just let's hear that one more time. It just makes no sense. 
right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that coming okay. up. Okay. As we head to the break, a look at the six. And I like how he's just, the co-host is either unflappable or just doesn't care and, or pay attention, and he's just on autopilot. Okay, Jeannie, thanks so much. <laughs> It makes no sense at all. He just he just plunges right on ahead into the break. It's like I hate to fall into just talking about stuff we've seen on YouTube, but there, it reminds me of the best thing I have seen in forever on YouTube, which is where it, it was like a Good Morning Dallas kind of program. It was you know like one of those wake up you know wake up yeah, yeah, yeah. shows, and the, you know the local woman is talking to a uh, kid. He's like 17, 18, 19, who just got accepted into some prestigious like you know Texas Film Festival or whatever the hell. So he's a young filmmaker. He's sitting at the desk right next to her on like Good Morning Austin, and she says, um, she says, well, sitting to my left, my left is uh, you know is uh, you know Jonathan Herkemeyer, and Jonathan is an aspiring young filmmaker whose new film blah da da blah has just been accepted into the Austin Film Festival. Jonathan, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about the film. The camera pans to the kid. The kid looks at her, looks at the camera, holds, just freezes for about a second and a half. And then just right over the desk, just the breakfast, the breakfast, which I think was oatmeal, just comes out right all over the counter. And and it wasn't even like a series of vomiting motions. It was like one big expulsion of vomit covers the counter. And 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 then they cut. And then the camera goes back to the woman who's sitting like a foot away from him, and she just looks right at the. She's so great. She looks at the camera and she goes, "Well, we're gonna take a little break. And we'll be back after this." And then they go to the spot. I mean, she was just unflappable. It was gold. Wow. It was one of the best things I've ever seen. I mean, the net is just. Uh, if you make a mistake on television now, it's there forever. That's ever true. and ever. Uh, I won't go on and on about it, but we've been doing that a whole lot lately. There was a, there's a great clip we have of a guy who was trying to describe what is apparently a very uh, very unpleasant, like like double vehicular homicide or something. Oh, he, dear. About, about a third of the way into it, he just begins giggling uncontrollably. <laughs> and on the screen, there's like literally pictures of charred bodies. Oh, my. And he's just laughing uncontrollably as he describes it, stopping several times to apologize and then laughing again. So it's uh, it's really great. Hey, so uh, what's up with you? Are you, uh, you were out of the town. Are you caught up on Mad Men? You know, um, I believe I'm probably an episode behind at this point. It really is just continues to be not perfect, but really just, uh, I would say it's like a triple. You know, it's not a home run every week, but every, it's like a triple every week. It just, yeah. they finally, and and so I, I won't give a spoiler as such, but I will say my wife and I have been talking about Mad Men a lot, and the one sort of issue I've had with that program is that Don Draper's wife, in fact, most of the female characters seem very um, badly drawn to me because they just seem uh, so um, one-dimensional. I was saying, well, you know what? All of the women who live on that street, they're all either petty or just like little girls. They're all either sort of petty shrews or they just behave like spoiled little girls. Well, and but she's, she's neurotic and a little sex-mad, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And I think it's interesting the way that her... her uh, her libido freaks him out. Totally, but he's on He wants nothing to do with it, which is weird considering how much time he spends trying to seduce other women. And he does make there's I, I'm not gonna I won't give any spoilers away, but he does say this one thing in last week's episode, which is actually I was really gratified to see it or heartened or whatever that word is that he he's sort of having a little bit of a fight with his wife, and he actually says at one point he says I feel like I am living with a little girl, 
which huh. sort of made me happy because I'm wondering now if maybe it's not that the character is badly drawn as such, but maybe that is exactly what they're going for, that she is so sort of repressed and lives inside this very narrowly defined niche in 1960, and yeah, that's I, the effect. But he so totally... Uh, treats her that way and has sort of like pounded her into that role it's you know obviously i think he's protesting a situation that he created himself dig it is yes i do dig beatnik guy um it is really daddy-o it's the great thing about that show also is that uh, i was talking with some people about this last night that you can because it is 1960 you can see the sort of clouds on the horizon culturally speaking because it's Mm. obviously it's between like chuck berry you know, and the Beatles, you know, and it's it's right as they're talking about Nixon being a candidate coming up. And it's just it is so great that you because you can anticipate, hopefully, if that show is still around and still good, them sort of having to ride the, out those cultural waves that are already sort of beginning. Because there was a sequence where he was with the beatnik and the East Side Club or whatever with with his his mistress and so forth. I mean, it really it really just is an astoundingly well done program in many yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beatnik and that dude was insufferable, too, though. Um, uh uh, obviously, Draper and his boys have their limitations as well. Yeah, um, and so anyway, so blah blah blah. Uh, is there? I mean, is there anything of note? Anything I ought to be caring about, paying attention to, penciling in, TiVoing? Ooh, well, uh, curb your enthusiasm starts again on Sunday, so you're going to have to watch that. I've seen the first uh, couple episodes, and they're quite hilarious. Kirby, has it held up? I mean, is oh, it, is totally. It, I just to... thought it was great, and I was watching um, the show that is premiering an hour before it on HBO called Tell Me You Love Me. It's the most um, sexually vivid show ever on any kind of, like, uh, uh, any kind of... This is on HBO. Is this the program, but, and I've got to be very careful how I, uh, how, careful how I describe this. Yeah. Is this, and I suspect it is from the way you described it, this program called Tell Me You Love Me, right. HBO, it, this is a program, I read an article about this in some New York Times or something, this is the program that is notorious because uh, apparently in the opening episode, how do I put this, they, they show... A male. They show. They show a female on male sex act to completion. Yeah, they sure do. And it's a scripted show, though. It's not like a reality show. No, it's totally scripted, and it's totally horrible. And even that part, it's like I was thinking about it. It's like it's a little like softcore porn, but you know how that is, where it's like the sex sequences are kind of bracketed with that sort of smirky double entendre conversation, right? Usually between a a housewife and a shirtless pizza delivery guy. Totally. The water's out in our apartment. We'll have to use your shower. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. This is more like it, instead of instead of people like smirking and having a good time, they're whining and crying and complaining, and then they take their pants off and have sex. <laughs> so it's just sort of like, you know, and, and here comes a cheap joke. I get enough of that at home. But anyway... I was waiting for the Mr. Bucket sound to play. The, uh, thank you. No, thank you so There's much. There's a whole lot. Of, it's just it's so gratingly awful um, because these people don't have personalities. They just have problems, and they have and they have high pitched uh, complaints about one another. And that's the extent of what we know about them. And, you know, and there's, a, there's so many of those programs. And, it, you know, it's like, you know what it is? It's, the, it's, it's the, when the people who make those shows go to see, uh, you know, a movie like uh, Closer or Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or something, mm. and they decide, what if we did this and removed all of the talent from it and well, all of the subtlety? It's just shockingly, uh, but then, you know, you, you, you see parts of this, and then next thing you know, but but but, but they, I think they're so pleased with their own uh, courage for uh, having such uh, 
graphic sex. Yeah, I mean, but I, it's sort of like you know, it's interesting. And also, I'm at the TCA session when the, the, the press conference in uh, July. Those people came up and they were very cagey and kind of a little cute about whether they were or were not actually having sex. But you look at it and you think, if that's not somebody actually having sex on camera, then they're working on some level, some prosthetic device or some sort of uh, you know CGI technique, which is extremely, you know, involved. But um, I mean, and if so, they're faking it, the amount of energy that would have gone into faking it just seemed so far beyond, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is it, is it going to be, it, it's kind of weird that there hasn't been, and not that I really care, but there have been no complaints about it. I mean... Well, it hasn't aired yet. But I mean, but the people, but I mean, I, clearly everybody knows about it. I read about it, that there's like full-on a sex act on HBO in which you see the uh, the whole thing happen. And I mean, it's like, I remember, and I guess maybe I, I should be words. happy... Hubba, hubba. I guess maybe I should be uh, happy about this because it means that the blue hairs have found something else to worry about. I remember a couple years ago when Comedy Central which is a basic cable channel, ran the uncut version of the South Park film. Um, and there was, like, not word one. Nobody said anything about it. Jesus, I mean, a few months ago, South Park um, it ran an episode where they used the so-called N-word, like, 53 times. Well, they already used the so-called S-word 53 yeah. times. And it's really, nobody even said, no one said boo about it, as they said. Well, on basic cable, there's no FCC regulation, of course, so... That kind of relieves them of. I suppose, but I still expect some idiot, you know, with it with a stick up their uh, their orifice to go and get all pissed off about it somewhere. You know? Yeah. So well, well. All right. uh, when does the uh, when does the Ken Burns thing come out? Uh, the um uh the uh, twenty um oh choking choking what oh, you're choking what I'm choking no it, I I just I don't know the twenty third is 23rd. when it begins and then it's like it, then it's like nonstop for the next week like every night for two uh, or two see, and a half hours i think i'm going to be out of town for part of that too so and then, but then it's going to be on again um for like on a weekly basis starting on october 3rd excellent all right and it's pretty i've only i've seen the first two and a half hours and it's pretty uh pretty great hey let me ask you this on a completely unrelated note okay i have a friend of mine and i'm kind of a casual springsteen fan but i have a friend of mine who uh has apparently heard i guess a couple of tracks in that upcoming springsteen record. i just heard the single really is it good or is it crap he was very disappointed with it. He was very uh, underwhelmed. Well, I've only heard the one tune, which I kind of like. I mean, at first, I, at first, when I listened to it, I thought, "Well, this is a little familiar," you know. Like, like I've heard, I've heard a lot of these these ideas before. And in fact, some of the lines, like one of the big lines in um, the new single, is "Is any is anyone alive out there tonight?" Which is something he's like bellowed from the stage, <laughs> like repeatedly for thirty plus years, right. and. Um, you know, and yet I think it's used to an interesting effect in the tune, and it's a kind of a rockin' song, and the band sounds good, and he sounds good, and I don't know, I'm kind of getting a little more bullish on that song. Excellent. All right. Well, so I dig it. Check it out. Plus, you can download it for free from iTunes. Can so, you? Is that true? No, I just lied and made that up. <laughs> and they send you candy when you download it for free. They send you candy. Oh, really? That's and then he comes and he calls. Actually. Wait, no. See, I bought the candy line. Actually, did you really? I really did buy the candy line for a second. I'm like, that's an interesting Steve Jobs idea. <laughs> yeah. All right, excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Peter Carlin. He's gay. I mean, he's um, and uh, I'm sorry. I was trying to back up to the butt. He's gay. No, I wasn't able to do it. All right. I tried to have this ready when you made that crack about. I get enough of that at home when you were talking about the sex thing. Yeah. Ideally, my. No, head I meant the fighting part, but it didn't. I just couldn't. He's gay. I mean, he's. Nah, it's not working. <laughs> I my auto my audio player over here is malfunctioning. It's Jesus is interfering. He's trying to keep me from playing. The first to get their balls in the Mr. Bucket wins. Yeah. You've exhausted the, 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 the universe, my friend. 
All right. Um, Meteors are headed for your house. It's true. Uh, my bad karma cannot even be calculated at this juncture. Uh, Scotty is demanding that we play this song by Head East into the commercial break. That's not going to happen. Uh, well, is that uh, like that heavy metal band from the 70s? Yeah, heavy metal. Sure. What, what, what is it, prog rock? No, it's like, it's like Leonard Skinnerd, like a really bad, bad, bad third generation uh, Leonard Skinnerd, as if they had Getty Lee from Rush as their lead singer. But is like Robin Trower in the band or just someone who was really influenced by well, him? Uh, I don't think Robin Trower was in the band. Let me tell you, here's all you need to know about Head East. It's uh, a bunch of guys with big, full-on, like, neck beards wearing... <laughs> Seriously, wearing wearing bib overalls. It's that kind of 70s rock. Sweet. Like really, really sub Stillwater. You know? You know what I'm talking about. Somewhere below Black Oak, Arkansas? Exactly. Yes. Well, good reference, sir. Where's Jim Dandy today? Black Oak, Arkansas, and who is the other band that I always think of? And clearly, I don't always think of them. Black Oak, Arkansas, and um, is it Blackfoot? Is that the other band I'm thinking of? Who sang Train Train? Yeah, I think that's who that was. These are guys who'd be like third or fourth on the bill at a Ted Nugent concert in Tot 1977. <laughs> exactly. Scotty has defined it as being cowbell rock, and that really is... <laughs> cowbell rock? That really, no, that is legitimately funny, Scotty. That is, that is, I know exactly what that means. All right, read him in print in the Oregonian, uh, online at OregonLive.com, and worship him always, and fear him, for he is great and terrible. He is Peter Carlin. Thank you, sir. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, brother, there you go. There's Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I didn't have it ready again. That's too late. All right. Are we going to go out with it? Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. I have a great idea, Sarah. Just to go to the break. Oh, God. No. You'll Rick, find... None of your ideas have worked. Shh. Why do you have to give me negative affirmations? Because prove me wrong, Rick Emerson. Oh, is that a dare? Are you daring me to prove you wrong? Am I part of this plan that you haven't told me anything about? What do you mean? No, I'm just going to play. I'm going to play a little thing here. All right. Hold on. Loading the audio directories. Hold on a second. This This... Don't put pressure on me. This might be funny. You know, you know, if it doesn't work now, it's going to be your fault. It's going to be on you, as they say. All right, where is... All right, hold on a second. And the irony, of course, is I I think can't... it's already not working. No, no, it's going to be funny. The irony is... The irony is that I can't play the popcorn music while I'm looking for this, because, you know, it... Okay, wait, hold on. Because you're looking for it? Shh, shh. Okay. Shush me? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm you're ready. Shushing. Yes, okay. I am. Okay, wait. Um... I don't even know in what order we should play these. Okay, go ahead and just stop that after some um, after some particular line, some line that jumps out at you. In the being, song or in the spoken part? In, no, in the, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. You just play it from the beginning, stop it when you think you've reached a good setup line. Mr. Bucket! That's right, I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Pulse your balls in my top, I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth I will pop, I'm Mr. Bucket. Walk in the run, I'm Mr. Bucket. He put the little round object in his mouth. <laughs> it was delicious. Get the first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins. But look out! The balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls will out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. That was moderately successful. Back after this. Mr. Bucket from Milton Bradley. Oh, joke. Six.
<laughs> uh, and I wasn't. I should have been ready with something here. I should have been ready with the uh, wait, with the uh... the world Mount Everest. No. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me, he's blind. Yeah, but nothing. See, it's not a bad song. It's very no, it's a great song, and God it's not like you know. I listened to it twice over the, the break. Ted Kennedy syndrome there. All right. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> fine and dandy. Are you both fine and dandy? Yes. All right. How's Scotty doing today? I haven't asked. Well, look. Okay. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. <laughs> and now, from the Ministry over there. of Truth, <laughs> this is Tim Riley. Wow, it's a three-minute bank robbery. Cops rounded up this bank robbery. It only took them three minutes. It occurs now to uh, James D. Rash, who was arrested uh, three minutes after he robbed a Vancouver bank. That was really? probably a bad idea. <laughs> three minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, the robbery call came in for the Wells Fargo branch at 1800 Main Street around 9.06. Bank employees told them that the man entered the bank, threatened them with a the gun, although no weapon was seen. He then took off with an undisclosed amount of cash... But just a block away, police grab Rash, arrested him in charge of a first-degree robbery. Well, I hope you enjoyed your, uh, what is it, 180 seconds of glory there, friend. So much for that rash of crime. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, for some reason, an unknown number of young sharks are washing up dead on Oregon's beaches this summer. Nobody no seems to know why. Killed by spiders. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there are more dead uh, sharks than usual. Two salmon shark carcasses washed ashore this week, said the general manager of the Seaside Aquarium, bringing up the count of seven. Two soup fin sharks also found. The sharks are usually reported as baby white greats, or baby great whites. Baby white great. <laughs> <laughs> but some turn out to be young salmon sharks, which have a similar body and not the same number of teeth. Is this interesting to anyone? No. I didn't think so. Let's throw it away. But let's talk about the uh, that wonderful human being, Steve Jobs. Who apologizes for the iPhone price cut and promises $100 credits to all those users who spent 599 But that still is $100 higher than the $200 discount will allow this time. Uh, he acknowledged that Apple disappointed some of its customers and said he's received hundreds of emails complaining about the price cut. The technology road is bumpy, he said. That sounds like some Donald Rumsfeld would you say. You know, but we, I, we, I yes. said this was going to happen. You're going to buy the iPod. Or the iPhone, and then they're going to come out with a new cheaper one. And I'm not even criticizing Apple for this. You know what? That's what that is, that is the cost of being an early adopter. I mean, that's I'm, yeah. I mean, that's I'm fully aware of that. I mean, I'm on my um, fourth MP3 player. I'm on my fourth uh, MP3 jukebox. Every one has been smaller, cheaper, and does more than the one before. But you know what? I didn't wait for five years. I wanted one now, and I knew that they would replace it with something better and cheaper. When you're an early adopter, you end up paying more than you would if you waited five years. So shut your freaking wine hole. It's always best to wait for the better mousetrap. That's what I'm saying. It's always around the corner. Uh, from Iowa comes word, two men have been arrested for stealing a man's clothes and leaving him to wander around naked. The victim, a 19-year-old Hazleton man, was taken to a rural route west of the town where the man took all his clothes at gunpoint. The sheriff received reports of a naked man walking down the country road early in the morning. They found the victim's clothes and several guns at a nearby home and arrested two people. An Australian woman lived with the mummified remains of her aunt for a year after she died at the age of 96. Officers found the corpse under a blanket on the bed. After ignoring the 51-year-old niece's claims that her aunt was sleeping and should not be disturbed, it was determined that the niece, who was taken to a psychiatric ward, may have covered up the death for financial reasons. 
apparently uh, theft is being looked into since the younger woman appeared to live off her aunt's pension since the death and used her cash point card to withdraw money. Mm. Well, here's something we can all look forward to. Mexican trucks can now drive to America. Hooray! So look for them uh, broken down by the side of the road at a street near you. Okay, just as, before we do anything else here. Okay, so I have to say this. This and to, to talk about this little funny f- bit of business here. Um, what funny bit of business? Well, you'll find out in just a second. I, I have to give a little backstory uh, to what I'm about to uh, discuss because, in fact, let me just um, lots of laughs. Lots of laughs. Lots of laughs. Uh, two two f's. <laughs> let me. Here. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolia. Do I not get to play my commercial? Yes, now we'll do that, and then we'll do the top five. Hi, Scotty J, Trepid PA. Hello. Well, good afternoon, Rendezvous. How are you? I'm okay, Rick. All right. So, yesterday, we had just the most passing reference to this band, Head East. That... Right. That sang the song uh, called Never Been Any Reason, which was, you know, kind of they were a one-hit wonder in the 70s. That song gets played on KGUN and stations like that now. But there's one-hit wonder, never, never, you know, vanished, never did anything ever again, whatever. This guy made a passing reference to the, to the band Head East yesterday. I thought you did. No. A guy called, we were talking about albums you bought for one song. guy calls up and he's like, yeah, I bought this album flat as a pancake. And I said, oh, yeah, never been any reason by Head East, blah, blah, blah. It took about 13 seconds, the whole call. Scotty, for... Three hours and 38 minutes today has been nagging me at every opportunity that I have to play the Head East song. So I wasn't even going to mention this. I was just going to ignore it and move on with my day and my life and never think about it and never think about your suggestion again. But I almost have to talk about it for a minute now because somebody sent me really something something really funny that we'll get here in just a second. And then we'll do the top five and, and so forth. But just for the love of sweet Jesus, you I don't understand, and I think I speak for all of us in this room, you will just like a like a like a crow pecking at something shiny in a field. You will just find something really, literally, very random and just demand spend all day obsessing on it. Well, well, why do Mr. I need Bucket? To, right? Why do I need? Yeah, but that's funny. Why do I need to play this song? This song by Hedy's. Listen. Right, I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. See? Comedy. Why, why do I need to play the Head East song? Well, you don't, actually. But, why, but you've been nagging saying, me about it for almost saying, four hours. Um, to be relatable, because it was talked about yesterday... And then it kind of changed when you said no, and then the more you talked about it, now it's almost like you have to play it, but it just kind of all crumbles. Do you see how that's not the true? Cur- the curtain always falls down for some reason when the wizard is operating. Uh-huh. What? Yeah. Well, okay, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it all up. I was thinking, because it's an instrumental version, it would have been... Funny. So I should play a version Coming that doesn't a... even have right. the lyrics or the singer. Yeah, you could have came in from a break and said... Why, if I was Rick going Emerson to play this song that you think is relatable because we mentioned it once yesterday for like 30 seconds, why would I then play the karaoke version? Because that way it would just be a kind of a subtle reminder of yesterday's topic. Oh. There's a lot of deep <laughs> meaning behind this whole thing, but it's really kind of gone down the creek, I guess. Yeah. 
Okay. Here's the only reason I discussed this. Because a guy uh, heard me talking about the Head East thing that you were nagging about. The guy sent me the webpage. This is the HeadEast.com, uh, their website. Head East tour dates. Fan club. Date, location, and venue information for 2007 appearances by the band Head East. Okay. First of all, let me just say this. There, This is real. I'm not making this up. There are three appearances in 2007 for Head East. One of them, by the way, has been canceled. So there are two appearances. Head East will be playing two shows in 2007. Let me just put this out to the room. Don't answer, Scotty. Let me put this out to the room. There are two appearances that Head East will be playing. Where do we think the first one is? Where's the worst place on earth? I'll take a guess. Don't, I, what did I just say? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Head East, this horrible band that Scotty wants to replace by they have three shows scheduled for this year. One of them has already been canceled. So they have two shows scheduled. What city, of all cities in the world, do you think their first show is? It's uh, this weekend, actually. That's right, Kennewick, Washington. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Really? They're playing a backyard bash at the Clover Island Hotel in Kennewick, Washington. Their show in Smelterville, Idaho, has been canceled. What? Smel you're all angry. Smelterville? Their show in Smelterville, Idaho, has been canceled, Scotty, but you will be able to see them with the Little River Band. Oh, oh. I am in on that. Playing, no, 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 playing at Lake Horny Toad in Lake Ozark, Missouri. Oh. Hmm. How much are plane tickets? All right, and we're done. All right, thank you, Scotty. All Great right. top five Thanks, today, Scotty. though. Okay. Right, we'll get to this top five. Uh, Sarah, did you have something to play as we're rolling to the top five? I just found one of my commercials right. that I remember from when I was younger. Do this, and then we'll do the top five with uh, Tim Riley. Okay. Wait, hang on, Sarah. Any second. Any second. Here we go. And... Magic potty, baby, your Your potty feels like magic? It's fun it to have magic like potty magic. baby. Learn oh. to use your potty. Flush, and you're ready for next time. Magic potty baby. I'm so glad that you're mine. Magic potty baby and her magic potty. No water, no mess. Batteries not included. Put the little round object in his mouth. <laughs> it was delicious. Five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. I'm disturbed by this whole thing. Baby Alive? Yeah, I have Baby Alive, too. You want to hear Baby Alive? No. We probably don't have time. We'll have to do it tomorrow. They have Baby Shake Me? All right. Uh, for no real reason, we are spinning the wheel of time, ladies and gentlemen. These are the top five songs from February 4th, 1989. With honorable mention going to Def Leppard at Armageddon Nick. You know, this is the worst name for a song. What was it called? Armageddon Nick. Isn't there a porn called Armageddon On? <laughs> is there really? I think so. Excellent. Well, that makes it all worthwhile. This is really a pretty terrible record. I know you're not supposed to say that as a 34-year-old guy, but the only good song on this record really is Pour Some Sugar on Me. That's pretty much it. 
Everything else on this record is kind of crap. And I was alone uh, in thinking that at the time. Every single person I knew was walking around with their, their hysteria T-shirt on. I was really the only person who didn't... And I think probably now I'm still the only person who doesn't like this record. Everybody loves hysteria but me. I just I can I can't I just I can't do it. Can't stop it. And yet I know every word like a nitwit. Here's those big pillowy soft uh, the harmonies coming up here. It's like all the rock has been scientifically removed from this song somehow. I mean. When you listen to this song now, I can't hear any guitars. I can't really hear anything rock-oriented. It's sad to think that this passed for hard rock at the time. Well, let's move on. These are the top five songs from February 4th, 1989. Number five, the Tom Locks in Wild Thing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you want to talk about one of the most famous intros in pop history, that... Let's do it. Right there. What, the let's do it? Yeah. that's. I mean, that's. and I think he probably just uh, threw that out in the, in the studio, probably just an ad-lib. Produced by the Dust Brothers, uh, who went on most notably to do the score for Fight Club. This is a great song, really. I mean, even now, this is a great song. And you know the great thing about Tone Loke? He did Loked After Dark, I think, which was the album. And then he did Cool Hand Loke, I think, which was his follow-up. But then he he realized that he was a one-hit wonder, two-hit wonder, Funky Cool Medina, and he just stopped, and he just moved on. I saw him interviewed a while back, and they're like, "Hey, Tone Loaf, you're gonna be doing a new record?" And he just and he just totally he was so great about it. He just said, "You know, he's like nobody wants to hear new Tone Loaf music." And, you know, he's like, "I'm busy sitting around being rich." And so, you know. It's like we're channeling moving. Great voice, though. Just a guy with a great, probably one of the most identifiable voices uh, in in rap. I mean, right up there with Slick Rick. These are the top five songs from February 4th, 1989. Number four, Bon Jovi, Born to Be My Baby. This, this might, in fact, be my favorite Bon Jovi uh, song of all time. This might be my favorite. This is right up there with Bad Medicine. I think this is probably better, though. This is probably my favorite Job song ever. God. He's like... He's like some Bruce Springsteen made totally out of rhinestones. Bruce Springsteen on helium. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's... And don't get me wrong, I love Bon Jovi. I really do. But it really is just... He is the Pat Boone to Bruce Springsteen's Little Richard. There's no getting around that. And he has all of those working class lines, table for two on a TV tray. Two kids hitching down the road of life. He's a poor man, John Cougar. He's how bad is that? He's, a poor, he's not even a poor man's John Mellencamp. He's a poor man's Johnny Cougar. Great song. Anybody doesn't like this, you can get the hell out of my America. Seriously. This is out of my America. No, this hook, this hook is as good as it gets. But you really just said get out of my America? I was trying to be facetious. Are you sure? Because you look a little serious. No, I'm just saying it's a great song. If anybody who you don't have to like Bon Jovi, but anybody who denies the inherent catchiness of this as a pop song, you know, ought to, they ought to be taken up back and have their bones broken. One by one. But here we go. 
It ain't fancy, baby. And he's, you see how they're recycling that living on a prayer rip in the background, too? He knows what pays oh, the bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John knows what pays the rent. Two kids hitching on the road of life. This one sucks. All right. Counting on the... But it's great. The top five songs from February 4th, 1989. Number three, White Lion, When the Children Cry. <gasps> yes, we were just talking about this yesterday. Actually, a total coincidence is on here. I really honestly did just throw open the book, and I put my finger down, and I came up with this. But we were just talking about this the other day. It was yesterday, because we had the children top was it five. yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's another, there's another song that's crap. But, I mean, it's great in a horrible 80s kind of way. Mike, uh, Mike Tramp here. Little child, dry your crying eyes. Back when everything had to be produced like you were singing it inside an empty soccer stadium. This is an awful uh, song. So wonderful. I don't know how much more of this I can take. You have to at least get the hook. Come on. All right. We've listened to you wax on about Bon Jovi for ten minutes. <laughs> wax on. <laughs> really? When you said wax on, I really thought you were going to say something else there when you started to say that. <laughs> When the children suck. I think I stole that from Beavis and Butthead. All right. Can you can hear the passion. <laughs> this really is a bad song. It's a terrible <laughs> song. No, it sucks. Well, you know what this song is? This is... They realized they couldn't just keep doing the same power ballad over and over again, like Every Rose Has Its Thorn. So they started rewriting Patience by Guns N' Roses. Oh. That's what all these songs are. That More Than Words, right? No, More Than Words by Extreme is first. But like... Um, you didn't like More Than Words? No, More Than Words is a great song. No, it's a great song. And I guess, I think actually that is before Lies, but I'm not sure. But all these were attempts to rewrite uh, Patience by Guns N' Roses. Uh, all right. Uh, counting on the top five song, All the Wars Will End. Uh, wait for it. God and flag and God. family. All right, top five songs from February fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Number two, Paul Abdul and Straight Up. Oh yeah. yeah. Who's that um, group that covers this? Halifax. Oh, that's a great song. Great cover. What the? Uh, what now? Q list celebrity is in this video? There we go. Give me a hint. Woo 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 woo. <gasps> Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Because I think he was dating her at the time. I didn't realize she, this video was so old. 1989, oh, yeah. Wow. Kind of a cool video, though. I think it's all black and white. Very I stylish. I was Paula Abdul's cold-hearted snake. Really? Okay. I think we made, like, some dance routine to it in fifth grade. All I remember of the song Cold-Hearted is had that video where she's using, like, a Nakamichi tape recorder where it ejects and then swivels the tape around by itself and puts it back in. All I remember from that video for some reason. Not a bad song. I like this more than I did at the time. I can appreciate it now as a pop song. Oh, oh, oh. Counting down the top five songs from February 4th, 1989. Number one, The Sheriff. When I'm with you. (laughs) I believe to this day, this song holds the record for the longest held note, naturally. 
Longest naturally held note. Because I, I know Axl Rose does that thing in, in Don't Cry. Yeah. Clearly it's like a studio ma- manipulation because he's never been able to do it again. Ever. Um, I don't know if I know this song. Really? This is a famous song. How Tim, do you remember the song? Them? I can't listen to it again. <laughs> Tim's, Tim's running leaving. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. I played this during the sun part. Really? In Simi Valley and San Bernardino. Oh, Simi Valley would love this song. All right. Tim Riley, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. Uh, yeah, the um, yeah that that note in Don't Cry was a total studio creation, but this I believe still holds the record for the longest naturally held note in a uh, popular song. How long do we have here? Do we have to, we have to break? All right, let me get, let me skip here. I'm pretty sure it's coming up here. Oh, I do know this song. Yeah, Sessions presents. I think it's good. I think it's this final one, maybe. Faking that, that there, it's a synthesizer. Yeah, that has become synthesizer. a synthesizer. You sons of bitches. Let's find him and kill him. Take <laughs> 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 your hand into the microphone. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Join us tomorrow when we'll have Aaron Geek in the city Duran in the studio with us. Uh, with his review of something. Uh, let's see. Oh, we never did get to this bad way to die. Let me quickly read this. Dateline, Wyoming. A Wyoming woman is dead after being caught in a machinery at a car wash. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a man. Ricardo Martinez was an employee at the Goo Goo Car Wash on 28th Street. Martinez was cleaning the brushes, preparing to close for the night when he let one more customer go through. Never do that. He became tangled in the hoses... And was then crushed by the car washing machinery. Police aren't discussing the graphic details, but they're sure it was a terrible accident because, wait for it, it was captured on tape by a security camera. Again, Mr. Martinez killed at the goo goo three minute car wash. Goo. It's kind of a bad way to go. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. How long do we have? Let's start the music? Yeah. Now. Okay. There you go. Baby Gizzard said just leaving people with sort of a eh, kind of feeling. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard for joining us today. Also, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Uh, tomorrow, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the parking space dealing Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970. Oh, I had Solid forgotten. Solid Radio. Hmm. No, but see, the more we bring it up, the more you'll get used to it, and then you'll be past it. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley, the PA, Scotty Jane, of course, the gatekeeper, and tattletale is Dave Zinn. Uh, as always, my friends, don't let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. Like us next. Dynamite at 7. Be safe. See you tomorrow at 11. Bye now.